exciting stuff. Awesome. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our second fireside chat. I'm going to begin sharing my screen, which is always fun. And we're going to get into just how you can grow your community, think about your community, and why um, me and Amelia think that this is really the foundation of what makes a really strong subscription business and could really help all of y'all in your author careers. First, going to ask if uh, you can, oh, can you see the presenter view? Like, is it a full screen pretty much of the slide? Okay. No, I can still see your, uh, like, well, sort of, yeah, it's sort of full screen. Mostly center? Yeah, it's okay. mostly full screen. Good, good. That, that was what we were going for. Awesome. <laughs> so um, as y'all can see, uh, we're, we're here, everyone here at 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Um, for those that might be listening and for also everyone here, we're going to be doing this at 2 p.m. now. I'm sorry if we had some confusion because last month we did it on the first Friday of the month at 4 p.m. But due to the poll that we put in the Facebook group, it seemed like this time worked for more people and we wanted to be um, egalitarian in that matter. So we're doing it now officially the first Saturday of the month from 2 to 3.30. Um, we'll probably end right around 3.30, might go a little late, we'll see. But we're super excited to get into it. So I, there we go. I'm like, get to the next slide. So I just want to just talk about like community in general, because it's such a buzzword, like something we all think about. And it's kind of stressful because we all know in general, like writing a book is what we want to do. But if you put it on Amazon, like it, it, that's not, that's not going to get you anywhere. You got to do something else to market your books. So a lot of us might be thinking about advertising. A lot of us might be thinking about going on to TikTok and all those are great things to do. But once you have your readers, once they buy you buy your book or once they know about you, there's a big question of how can you continue to build that relationship? And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. And as you're thinking about like building a subscription, I know from, from Amelia's perspective, it's been really helpful for her to have a close relationship with her readers. So yeah, you could see some other memes here. I think we're going to start off everyone like with memes because, you know, sending so many messages. It's stressful if like readers are contacting you, sliding into your DMs, because as much as readers want to be respectful, they also sometimes, they, they can fangirl, they can fanboy, and we love that, but it can be a little emotionally draining. Um, and then I also know the feeling of us being on social media all day long, which Amelia, how often are you checking like your specific social medias for your communities? So actually, I'm an assistant who does most of it. Um, she is on it all the time. I go on a lot too, but she's mostly on it, responding to messages like all day, usually. So it can it can be a lot. So that is intimidating. We definitely know that, but I, I think it's definitely worthwhile to consider why developing close relationship with your readers isn't just a good thing, but could be totally essential as we move forward in the future of indie publishing. But before, before we get to all that like fun stuff, um, here's a little overview. Did I skip? Yeah, perfect. Here's just a little overview of what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to start with like, what is a community? What is a fandom? And why are they really important? Um, everything in bold is going to be like a chance where we're just going to be having an open discussion. So I'm planting these questions now so that we can all think about our answers to it. But what are your favorite author communities and why is something that I'm really curious to hear what all of y'all think. I have some of my own favorites. 
they're going to be pictured up there. Um, but also I'm really curious, um, for your ideas when we get further along the presentation about how you can monetize your community and don't worry, we'll be sharing a bit of information before then to maybe prime your imaginations. Um, but yeah, we'll be talking about what an exclusive community could look like. Um, there's different kind of community business models. So all of those are quite interesting. Um, we'll talk about some of the community technologies that exist, um, how Amelia manages her community. She'll be doing a deep dive into that. And then we'll be talking about like the three pillars of starting, nurturing, and monetizing your community. And then, you know, ultimately in the end, um, we'll, we'll show you a little bit of what we've been working on in Ream and how that might be able to help you all grow your communities. And then we'll be doing a whole open workshop where y'all can ask us any questions, screen share with your communities, and we can brainstorm how you can grow it. Um, if you're nervous about starting it and you're not sure where to begin, all of that we're going to be talking about. But feel free in the chat um, to drop in with questions at any time. I think we already have someone in the chat saying their microphone isn't working, which is all good, no worries. But okay, um, wanted to just give a life update and we can all give a life update here. So if you're like, I've been nervous and wanna like put your life update in the chat, you can, just how you've been with writing this last month, but you can also share aloud if you'd like, but um, some pretty big news. Amelia, do you wanna share your big news this month? You've had a lot of big news. I just put some of the big news. Uh, yeah, um, so I'm speaking at 20 Books uh, in Vegas about um, subscriptions. Um, so if you guys have, I was going to put this in actually the group, um, but if you guys have any questions that you definitely want answered and you're attending, let me know. I'll try to get to everything um, that has to do with subscriptions and running a successful subscription business. So thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited and very nervous, but excited. You were also on the uh, SPF podcast. Oh yeah, I was on a bunch of podcasts this past week too. You guys may have I seen think it. There's like five of them. So big, big, big week for Amelia and and Sean, who might be in the room with you currently or somewhere like he's right in the other room. He, he's yeah. in the other room. He's like as we speak. He's um, um, building out the back end for Reem, which um, for all that don't know, we've created this space that can help educate us all and connect everyone who's trying to grow their subscription business as an author. But we're also working on a platform that can also help spy fiction authors, for fiction authors, um, maybe help you grow your business. So um, that's something that we'll be sharing a little bit about. But Sean also is literally working right now on the back end. Uh, we've been talking about book categories today uh, in the back. <laughs> so that's been fun. And then um, I'm back in college. You could see this picture of me. Um, I took a road trip to North Carolina to visit uh, uh, Ricky, who's um, the CEO of Written Word Media, y'all might know that company. She's fantastic, and we really love the folks over there. Um, but I also kind of maybe snuck into a college that I'm not a freshman at to experience just like be a freshman. So that was a good time. Uh, and I also finished the first draft of um, Creator Economy for Authors, which a lot of this community building stuff I dive into really deeply in there. And uh, if you guys are interested in beta reading it, uh, definitely hit me up with an email or just say in the chat, I'm happy to send you all a copy just totally for free. Um, that's just one thing I was working on this past month, but what has everyone else been doing? You could totally interrupt and share. We just wanted to share a little bit behind the scenes in our life. Writing updates, subscription achievements. You don't have to be shy. So 
Mahi is halfway through the work in progress and started another book and also made a first in series perma-free with AMS ads. I'm curious how that's going. Are like the AMS ads um, a good investment with perma-free? I was always nervous about offering a perma-free book in AMS ads because I always felt like I would get a lot of clicks, but wasn't sure about the conversion if people would just be clicking because they see free. So I'm curious. Yes. So I was very nervous about turning the book free, but I saw lots of posts on um, Wide for the Win and also 20 books to 50K and decided to give it a try for at least three months to see how it goes. And I just started it, uh, I guess, on like last week and uh, click through is really great. And almost two to three readers bought the entire series. Uh, and the profit is good compared to the AMS ad spend. So I also booked three to four um, newsletter promos with Fussy Librarian and Hidden Gems. So yes, it's good so far. I Let's see how it goes. <laughs> That's amazing. I love to hear that. Thank you. That's really, really cool. I... AMS has profitable for free books. That's that's a good thing for everyone to know. Definitely something I was apprehensive about. We ha- we have Shannon here saying that she's about to publish her Bella story. That's amazing. You have to keep us updated on that and let us know how that goes. We'd love to help any way we can. EJ, hello. I know you're here. So happy to see you here. So 100% renewal on this billing cycle. That's wild. That's amazing. That's really good. If you don't mind, if, if you're able to come up and share what you think did that, what, what's been working for you this month, or just drop it in the chat, that would be really cool to hear. But writing wasn't as good. I get that. Um, but, you know, hopefully you enjoyed some time outside in the summer, time with your family. When September is also a busy month, though, for most people with going back to school and things. So I hope, I hope September ends up being fruitful for the writing. Sarah got seven new patrons last month. Now you're up to 12. That's incredible growth. I'm really proud of you. This is amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. And other people, feel free to share more about how you've been doing this last month. Seriously, like there's no reason to be shy. We're all fellow authors here, but um, that that's amazing. I, I can't wait to hear from you all. Oh, Iona, so you just finished a five-year project to be launched in November, a trilogy plus a reader magnet novel, romance contemporary romance. Cool. And you're living in Mexico near a volcano. Now that, that is awesome. I love all of it. That's amazing. I hope the volcano doesn't blow up. Um, but otherwise. Gosh. <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> yeah. I hope it stays dormant. Are you talking right now? Because I can't hear you. Might be on mute. Can you hear, Iona? Oh, okay. I can see your mouth moving. Okay, cool. No, no worries. No worries. Um, VT is uh, almost done with their work in progress and working on setting a subscription service on your own website. And the back end is proving difficult, but hopefully the end result will be amazing. VT, that's really awesome. Love to hear what you're using to set up your own website. There's a lot of different tools and I think that's a really cool thing. So um, definitely let us know how that goes and your trooper for setting up your own website. That's very intimidating, but really cool. Heather, Finish not safe for work art commissioned from a Patreon. We have we have a slide that talks about a little not safe for work art. Um, you, you'll you'll see it in, in a few minutes. But that is that is very very fun. 
I hope Patreon allows you to keep it up there. But if not, you can always put it on a password protected page on your website and have your readers go to it. And now I understand. Volcano erupted two years ago. So you're good for a time now. Nice. <laughs> good, good time to move in. After the volcano blows up, move into the town near the volcano. That, beautiful. I love it. I love it. Okay. This is amazing. Um, we'll, we'll get started with um, our presentation now, but just know that like this is not uh, like a lecture. This is just us chatting. And um, after last time, I thought it would be helpful to like have some visuals to complement our conversation. So we put this together, but you can see our thumbnail here. Um, audience versus community is a big conversation. We actually had it with um, Jay Thorne, who's a friend of the community. Um, him and Chris Kane, who um, might be here, maybe not. I, I don't think they're here right now, but um, they, they are both um, dear, dear friends of ours and um, great, great members of the indie author community. And he was talking about the difference between audience community on our podcast. So a lot of what we're saying here, um, I'll say was influenced by that conversation. And, you know, he says an audience um, is just anyone who regularly consumes your story. And I like to think about it in like specific context. So a lot of us as authors, like we might have maybe a, if we're on TikTok or we're on Facebook or on Instagram, we might have a thousand people on our reader page. And that is our audience, each maybe specific piece of content, the impressions it gets, that's our audience for that specific piece of content. And when your book is out in the world, you also have an audience for that. The people who read through those books are your audience. So you can have audiences for all different kinds of things. Um, and there's obviously a difference between audience and fan. Not everyone who's in your audience is going to be a fan of your work. And also not everyone who's in your audience is going to be a part of your community. You might not even have a community yet. And we'll talk about why it might be a good idea to start one. But to also just chat about what a community is to begin with, because people throw the word around. And honestly, sometimes I don't even understand what it is. But a way to think about it is a shared space where readers can form bonds with one another, the author's worlds and stories, and come together around shared interests and passions. It sounds like a lot of jargon, I know. Um, but I want to kind of dissect that because there's something in there that's unbelievably powerful for our author businesses. So I want to think about these two images and you have someone watching TV here. Um, maybe they're on Disney plus. And then on the right, they're like maybe actually at Disney. You know, these aren't images of Disney itself. This can apply for any sort of media property, but when you are maybe just watching something, just consuming it in that kind of one to one experience, we'll call it, um, it's, it's not as maybe immersive or interactive as it would be to like literally go to Disney. And it's kind of weird to think about your community maybe being an amusement park. Like that feels like you're way overhyping it. But I actually want to say that I think with technology, making it more and more possible to have more immersive virtual environments um, and for just the ability for people to connect and do interesting things in a shared space, it actually looks a lot more like an amusement park than you would think. And when you look at the business model of actually how an amusement park works and the biggest one in the world being Disney, they have their content, their IP, right? Their studio motion pictures at the center. And although Walt Disney, I, I don't think he was a, a amazing human being um, morally, uh, I think there's a lot in how he ran his business that we can learn a ton from. 
And he developed this thing called a synergy map, which a lot of us may be familiar with, but it was putting his stories, the intellectual property at the center and thinking about all the different things you can have around it that can funnel into building a really, what ended up being an extremely profitable business for Disney. And as authors, we can kind of think about our books, the stories we're creating as that maybe like IP in the center. And you can think about all the different experiences that you can then create for your readers around it, utilizing that IP and how your business model can start to look a lot more like a mini Disney. And that sounds intimidating. That sounds maybe even impossible, but today with creator technologies and creator economy platforms, it's actually becoming really, really easy. And there's this kind of larger trend in technology called um, full composability. And what that means for authors is when something's composable, you can build on top of it. And it makes it um, quite easy, like in the world of software or even in a building, it's like, oh, it's already 80 floors high. So we wanna build an 81st floor, build it right there. In the world of software, there's lots of frameworks and different tools you can use to spin up a new website easily. And the same thing's happening with stories, media, and how we create creative businesses online, which that sounds just insane, but we're going to go into what's happening there and why your community and developing that deep relationship with your audience is what makes that possible. Because there's a difference between what Disney's been able to do and their synergy map, what they've achieved, and what most you know, content and IP actually does in the real world. Most, most intellectual property is never able to build the kind of fandoms that Disney is able to regularly pump out and or acquire. So th there's something about what Disney is doing that's interesting. And there's something about our community that can absolutely be the superpower in that. So with all this talk about fandom, I want to just talk about like what a fandom is because a fandom is not necessarily your community. And I know we all know this. There's websites like AO3, um, Wattpad, which has fan fiction and also lots of incredible fiction by authors like Amelia Rose, that's where she got her start. Um, so there's lots of you even here who are probably on sites like this. And fan fiction is a lot of times where like fandoms, at least with like authors and writing can form online, but there's also lots of Harry Style fanfic. There's so much fan fiction out there. There's actually a great book called um, Why Fangirls Rule the World. And it's literally about how fandoms like dictate what happens in media and culture. It's incredible. And all this is say is that your fandom is just a group of people who start interacting together because they like something. And they don't have to be interacting in a community. I can actually put the link of uh, the book in the chat. Um, let, me, uh, let me circle back. Uh, during Amelia's presentation and grab that link. Um, that'll, that'll be what I do. Um, I'll put the link. Uh, but uh, for our own um, fandoms, we can think about what if we brought this conversation into a place where we got to be the leader of it, in which we got to foster these connections between our fans, and in which we got to maybe be able to build more interesting experiences for the readers that we care and love. And that's really what happens when you merge a community and a fandom. And I don't think your community will ever encompass a fandom because your community, at least in a digital context, it's a shared space. It has these borders and walls. But what's amazing about using your community is that it can completely supercharge your fandom in an unbelievable way. And um, obviously, I think we can see why that would be a good thing. 
for our story businesses. So with all of that, I did also want to mention just some bigger things that are happening now in the world of like fiction that are super interesting. So we all know TikTok and we all know the readers on TikTok who are creating, who aren't necessarily authors like us, but who love books just like us and who are building audiences of people who care about them. And there's this book club platform called Fable. And they are really interesting because, and this this is going to sound like a crazy amount of money, but it, it's just what is happening. Um, they raised $20 million to go build out the book club platform. So that that's a, that's a crazy amount of opportunity that someone's seeing in this space to now go build a space where readers get to come together. Um, they're actually focused specifically on B2B book clubs now, which is an interesting pivot. But all that's to say that there is people and even TikTokers and that platform specifically who have 13,000 people in their book club. I'm on books does, which a lot of you probably know I'm on books. The platform is Fable. So it's called fable.co at I'm on books is the creator who specifically has 13,000 people in her book club. So she just by talking about spicy romance novels specifically has been able to generate a massive audience and then bring that into CUNY where they're literally reading the same books at the same time. So community is something that it doesn't just have to be with your readers. It can be with people in your genre. Another example that a lot of us might be familiar with is the LitRPG community um, founded by Alaron Kong. Um, so Alaron Kong, he's the, um, I think self-proclaimed, but we'll, we'll give him credit for this title because it's, it's true. He was the um, founding father of American LitRPG and he is an extremely well-selling author. And right now, as we speak, all the people in this Facebook group are at a conference called Dragon Con. I shouldn't say all of the people, but a lot of the people at a conference called Dragon Con in Atlanta, where they're coming together in person um, to celebrate Lit RPG. So Aloran Kong, when building his author, Cooney, said, I want to build a space of readers who aren't just interested in my work, but this entire genre. And um, lucky for him, Lit RPG has absolutely exploded. And I would say that the Cooney itself has played a crucial role in that. So those are just two examples. Um, and the Facebook group is literally called Lit RPG. It has 22,000 people in it um, or something around that number. I, if you're interested in just seeing a really great community, I recommend joining whether you read Lit RPG or not. So I know that I'm throwing a lot at you right now, but I want to just dive really deep into this because there's something here, right? There's something in all this community that people are able to tap into like Aloran Kong, that companies are building for like Fable, that people like I'm on Books have built on TikTok. And obviously this would be a good thing for us to have. And now we can finally get into a conversation before we share some of our own ideas because no one has an answer on this. There's no secret formula. <laughs> There's nothing, you know what I mean? I wish there was. Like just being humble, like I don't have those answers. I have some ideas. Me and Amelia both have some insights, but I wanted to take a pause before we even get into that and just reflect collectively on the communities we're already a part of and what we like about them. These could be communities that we are part of as authors. They could be communities that we're part of as readers. And they could also be communities that aren't connected to the world of books. Shocking. We do things besides books in our lives. But I've just put up these three communities up here because they've really changed all of our lives. Um, you know, at least when I was talking about me and Amelia, um, 20 books and SPF for me were like foundational, like literally like that was what got me into this. If I didn't have those spaces, I don't think I would have had the confidence to publish a book or to be an author. And 
wide for the win. I know Amelia for you, what, what, what has been so special about that group? Because I found it later through you and I love it. Yeah. I really like that group just because, um, I feel like 20 books is more just for like, K. I mean, it talks, they talk about everything in that group, but it's not really focused on what being wide as an author and wide for the win is, and I'm, I'm a wide author. So it's been really, really helpful, especially, um, when learning to sell books on like Google or, um, on fiction apps or, and all this is, um, wide for the win. But yeah, so that's one of my, one of my favorites, at least for writing. What communities do y'all like? Does anyone have a favorite one? Does everyone have a community of their own that they want to share? Because don't be shy. There's, we all would love to find new places to learn more about and meet new There's friends. There's some in the comments. Yeah, so I'm wondering, like, um, I love all these ones, like 20 books in Mark Dawson's and Wide for the Win. I've, I've gotten so much information from those. But right now I've kind of shifted and I feel like, I'm enjoying the smaller communities better. Um, you know, like ones that are specific to maybe conferences that I've gone to and they've they've narrowed it down um, or ones that are kind of narrowing in on, on specific um, publishing trends or, you know, like, like your guys' um, group and stuff. So I felt like in the big ones, I got lost and there was so much information. Um, and while it was great, I can go there. I know I can go there, do a search and I can find information. Right. Um, but I'm really starting to enjoy the smaller ones. I don't know if anybody else has felt that way too. I also am starting to feel that way too. Um, especially I think somebody put in the chat, um, writing and selling on fiction apps. That's another one that I really love because it's so like, it's very specific and you get a lot more specific information um, with people who are actively on these fiction apps like writing or that are actively doing these smaller things within like this huge writing world. So I do agree with you. What do you think about these communities? Do you, do you like, like besides it being maybe um, specific and niche focus, which I love that point. And we'll actually talk a bit more about that later. I'm curious, like, what about how the group is run, especially like thinking about how we can run our own communities? Like what from these communities can we take for our own? I think one of the things that I absolutely love about the indie community as a whole is how supportive we are of everyone, you know, like there, there are some people that are there that, that just, you know, cause issues, but for the most part, especially in these small community, smaller communities, it's like, you feel like you're actually being heard, um, and helped at least for me, you know? Um, and, and I love, absolutely love that about being an indie author. So. I agree. I agree. It's, uh, a lot for a lot of us, I think, or at least for me, I should say, I was a lurker for the longest time where I would be like on the outside of the CUNYs and was like way too afraid to step in. But I think uh, when I went to 20 books in 2019, I started to like, I went there and I think I realized the same thing as you, which is like uh, VT put it really well in the chat. It feels more like a resource than a CUNY and I love 20 books, but it's more like a conglomeration of a bunch of CUNYs. And from there, I ended up kind of meeting a group of people and authors I more would think of as my kind of tight knit community. 
And that's a finding that we'll have to take away um, when we're thinking about our own author communities as well, right? Because if you have like 10,000 readers in your group, which for the record, that's like incredible. And we're gonna be talking about how maybe we can try and get there. But let's pretend we're at that point or even just a hundred readers, even 50. There's gonna be relationships between people where really like the word community is more like a network of people who are congregating. It's a network of friendships and relationships and not everyone knows everyone. Like even our community, it's not nearly as big as, you know, Mark Dawson's group or 20 books, but I don't know everyone here. We do things like this to try and get to know more people. And we do things that try and connect the dots between people and have conversations, but we don't even know. Like 700 is a lot of people. That's who's in our Facebook group now, which is kind of mind-blowing to us because we didn't expect that. But, you know, that that's a lot of people. So even like what might not feel like a lot of readers, if you got them all in a room in front of you is actually an incredible amount of people. Um, and the sad part is that we all know what selling 700 books does in a year. If you sell 700 books in a year, even if you're selling them for 9.99 on Amazon, unless you're, I met a, a friend in, uh, at a conference in 20 books, Madrid, who lives in Georgia, the country, in the, the capital of Tbilisi, which is awesome. But unless you're living in a place, that's like really like, cheap. Uh, even there, I don't think you can live off of really a couple hundred books sold in a year. Um, but if you're living in the United States, in the UK and Australia, you certainly have to sell thousands of books and, and likely have to get closer to the number of selling tens of thousands of books between, you know, page reads and uh, if you're wide, whatever the equivalent is for you. So you have to move a lot of units and move a lot of readers, at least if you're trying to sell books. But We'll talk about later how like the business model of a community could look a bit different. Um, but um, yeah, I, I totally agree with what Shannon's doing. Um, and Iona asked, is anyone um, doing subscriptions? Which I think the answer would be yes in this call. Um, maybe people can put in the chat uh, their subscription links. We can all check each other out and uh, support each other, see how we're doing. Um, I'd be really curious to see who is that. But um, I'm going to go on to our, our next slide here, which is kind of the question that we might be asking ourselves now, which is like, okay, should we do this? And specifically, if we have a subscription, should we include this in our subscription? So this chart is from the 2022 Patreon creator census. We took it from there because they have 200,000 creators on their platform. It's the largest data set and the most comprehensive that we could find. There's really not much information out there about what fiction authors specifically do. Um, I think this is the place to come for that. Um, and we haven't done any surveys like that of y'all. That might be something that we do in the future just so we can all share that information. Um, but right now, um, according to the survey, about 30% offer access uh, to a Discord or a Facebook group, which would mean that a benefit to an exclusive community. Um, and Patreon itself um, also, as many of y'all know, has uh, the ability to interact on the platform and connect between audiences. It's not very good, but you can still do it. Um, so it's safe to say that, you know, 30% and up of creators who are having subscriptions think that community is something important to them. Um, and I think we're going to find out with Amelia really soon that that's been a, a pretty key part of what she does. And there's even some examples in our community of people who've been able to really utilize this incredibly well, um, uh, which we'll, we'll get into as well, which is very soon. I'm really excited about that. But 
when we think about communities, there's really three ways that you can have it. So you can have a community that's free and open to everyone. Um, I should say three realistic ways, three main pathways. You can do a million different things. There's no right or wrong answer. So take what I'm saying and you know, imagine what your own awesome future could look like um, with some of these ideas. But if you have a free and open community, let's just say a Facebook group, it could be a Slack community, it could be a community on Mighty Networks or Circle. It is literally overwhelming how much community platforms there is. It's, it's overwhelming. So my advice on like picking a platform if you want to just start a community and aren't even sure what to do with it is to do one that you like and use because we do not need to be spending extra time as authors learning a ton of new software. If you're already on Facebook, um, you can use Facebook groups. We'll talk into why there's some downsides to that. Um, but uh, you know, if you're starting a community first and just want to get your, your feet wet, so to speak, um, some of these platforms can be a learning challenge for both readers and authors. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but when thinking about a free community, you know, this is something that can be really beneficial. A lot of authors, I'm sure we've especially seen in the romance community have been able to have like a ton of benefit from it. Their readers are in there, they're talking constantly. They are connecting with, oh, new book, we gotta promote it, gotta tell all of our friends. And it just becomes a space where like, you have the permission to be a geek for something. You have the permission to love something and be around people with it. So that's something that's particularly powerful um, in a lot of subgenres of fiction. But something that should be said is like community doesn't necessarily, it's not something that I'll, every reader wants. So it's about knowing your market and knowing your readers, because as we'll see soon, there's like three really big questions you have to ask yourself, right? And the where is it being hosted is a complicated one, but one I guess I'm telling you don't spend too much time on it. But the why would someone want to join peace is really important. And this is the one that I think gets ourselves all in our heads because we're like, first of all, we have to be like, okay, all right, what are we going to be doing in this community? Would I want to join a community? We can overthink it. But one thing I like to think about, and I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I love this talk so much that I just, it influences a lot of how I think about things. MD Cooper presented at uh, 20 books um, a little while ago, kind of like a, a masterclass on like just marketing and indie publishing. It was the last conference um, and the talk's free on YouTube. Um, and I encourage you to listen to it. And in the talk, she mentioned that the big thing that we have to figure out as authors is what our meta story is. And your meta story is really like that core brand, that core feeling, that sense of belonging that people would want to come together around you for. Um, you know, parking back to our Disney example, with each of their franchises, whether it's Marvel, Star Wars, we can go down the list of a lot of Toy Story. You can tell like there's specific emotion that you feel when you think of these things. And since they're so mass appeal, we've probably all experienced it before. But there's also something about these mass appeal brands that goes back to what we were saying earlier, which is that how can I really find belonging and a real sense of community in Star Wars? Like there's so many people in it that it just becomes like, it just becomes like so big that you don't know where to begin. And even in a community of 10,000 people, that's a lot. How do you find belonging there in a community of a thousand people? It's a lot. So for people who are just getting started out, you know, you might feel like, oh my God, I'm only gonna have 10 people in this group. If I start it, it's gonna be like a wasteland. 
but that's actually a really amazing asset because only having 10 people there that you can develop relationships with. I mean, that to me is like, oh, wow. Like I'm joining this group to meet these people. So that can already be something there. Um, I'll get to the questions in the chat in just a minute. Um, but I, I think nailing down your meta story and your brand and tying your community as part of that is I guess the big, big takeaway. And how am I managing it? And how is this benefiting my business? We're going to be talking about the kind of business models that you can run off it, some ideas that are fandom centric, which I'll, I'll get into in a second. But one thing I would think about when on the managing piece is before you're at the stage of hiring someone like Amelia is where you can have a community manager, um, which is awesome, but you know, you have to be, you have to take some time to get there. Um, there's actually tools that can make these things easier. So um, I'm just going to put one in the chat that I like it's called burb.co. Um, there's others um, and there's it's fast evolving space of tools, but I would think about what ways can I, utilize to make it like easier for me to respond to my readers, easier for me to engage where I don't feel like I'm having all this bandwidth constantly exude um, being here. Um, and, you know, when we get a little bit deeper into different ideas of how we can actually nurture our community, um, we'll dive a bit deeper into um, some of the managing piece, but I just wanted to, to throw that in here. Um, and then I'll, I'll answer some of these questions because um, we have a lot. Whoa. So first of all, check out all these Patreon links. Wow. Okay. So you should definitely check out people's subscriptions. Um, that's amazing. I'll have to scroll up in the chat in the end and maybe we could um, review some of that live too. Um, but Heather says, I have a Facebook group where no one talks. And when I do post, it doesn't reach anyone. It feels impossible to build it. And the last question, why should they join? No clue. Which is why I imagine people don't interact or join. Okay. That, that's a really good question. So I want to first say a huge caveat with Facebook, um, which is that, and we've seen this in our own group, which is that you kind of have to like uh, become a pro copywriter to do well in the Facebook algorithm, which means people who've already been part of your community and already want to see your posts, who've self-selected themselves as wanting to be there, still won't actually see your posts, even if they're online, because Facebook would rather show them an Instagram reel or something something that like is mind-numbing, right? Um, that's like a lot of what's going on right now. And I'm sure every one of us, myself included, has gone down on the rabbit hole on Facebook where we go on it. We want to talk to people we care about. And then we end up like seeing a silly video. And then there's like a hundred silly videos later. That's what happens. So Facebook, for the same reason, it's great. Everyone's there. It's also terrible. And this is something that me and Amelia were talking about like a month ago, because I was like, I don't know, like this is stressing me out. Like we have this group in Facebook. We have these people we've built relationships with, but like I literally have to think before I type this post, how can I get this one headline to be engaging so that they'll click more and the algorithm will be like, oh, yay, people are engaging with this. So let's then like, you know, pump it out to more people just to get the people who already said they care about us to want to see it. Like, it's so ridiculous. And it has nothing to do with writing good books or like making connections with our readers. So it feels exhausting. So I told her, like, why don't we think about switching platforms? And we might one day do that. But we kind of came up with something else that maybe some of you who've been onboarded into our group saw. And I'll give you like an actual stat on how well this has worked. So a month ago, we decided, okay, we need to kind of hedge ourselves against Facebook because in the long run, 10 years from now, we're probably not going to be there. All of us might be on a new platform, realistically. It's a possibility. But in the short run, a lot of the other community platforms that people use, 
Discord feels not very friendly to me as an author or a reader. Um, Mighty Networks, Circle, Slack. Slack feels like it's for business. The other places aren't that amazing either, to be frank, like at least for us, because we're like, okay, even if it's a better place to have a community, even if you can interact with them easier, you still have to get someone to open the app. And that's like the kind of like hidden trick about all the places where you have access to your readers. You can get them all to see your message without an algorithm only if they open the app to begin with. And Facebook's such a habit that as an author community, we're already all on Facebook. So it made sense for us to just stay there. But what we did do is in our community onboarding, we added a question. And the question is, do you want to sign up to our newsletter to get weekly insights? And they said yes. Um, or I should say, we hope that they would say yes. And we've had about, I would say, 65% of the people who have then joined our community over the last maybe 30 days since we instituted it, um, join our mailing list. And our mailing list has grown over 100% in that time, um, just by doing that one simple question. So do we have everyone's email? No, um, but we have a lot. We have almost everyone's email has joined our community. And when the time comes to go somewhere else, um, we'll, we'll hope to do that. And of course, why, how we have people discovering our community to begin with, this is an author community, but we're still growing it. And we're not like, we're not focused 24 seven on trying to grow it. Our, our main thing is doing, doing Ream and writing books. So we spend like relatively little bandwidth thinking about how we find more people to f discover our community, which I think is similar to how most of us will think about our communities. We're not going to be able to just to market our communities incessantly, but we figured if we create a place that people who are interested in the thing that we are interested in want to come, they'll talk about it. And that's what's happened. Almost all of our growth has been because you guys have shared it, which is really freaking awesome. Like I didn't expect that to like the level that we've seen, but it's cool. And that's what's happened. And then now there's a certain percentage of those new people who find our Facebook group who don't really know about us and who kind of heard us from a friend who now we have their email. So that's a way we got around it. And it's a super easy way. Um, uh, oh, I'll enable. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Yeah. Jump Sorry in. to interrupt. No, there's no. Um, so just around post because you were talking about you know Discord versus Facebook groups versus other platforms. Yeah. Um, and this kind of goes into um, something I work on in my day job, but the whole conversation around you know web version two, which is like you know Facebook versus web three, which is you know apps like Discord, Slack, um, things like that. That's kind of like the future, the next phase of the internet. So just thinking about that from that technology standpoint, um, even if, you know, readers aren't there now, I think eventually the same way Facebook kind of exploded and everybody ended up there for a while, I think that's going to happen with other apps. That's just my opinion, but just based on the conversations I hear around kind of the next phase of the internet and where that's going, um, so I'd be curious to see if you guys have thought about that, especially since you're also developing, you know, Ream and this next kind of evolution, but, you know, the next phase of a community could look like. What's your take on that? Uh, I, I actually, um, I just have a little, um, I do agree. Uh, I think Discord is going, Discord's already pretty big, especially among yeah, like the younger, younger generation and especially like gamers as well. So I think Discord um, has a really 
big shot or a really good shot at being like the next place where like communities are hosted. Um, and some authors, like even I have a Discord right now, but a, not a lot of readers are on there at the moment. Um, and I feel like it's very hard to to grow dis, at least Discord um, at the moment. But yeah, I, I do feel like there's going to be something else that could just explode very, very quickly and very soon. It, it does but I also wonder how account. much of this is um, a chicken versus egg situation, right? Are readers not on Discord because authors are not on Discord? I mean, authors are on Facebook right now because we're assuming that's where readers are. Mm. But if authors start transitioning to Discord and pushing readers there, I mean, I think it's going to be just like any other platform. It'll I, get big because authors also are part of that momentum. I agree with you, but I, I, I agree with you completely. Like that's where it's headed, but I don't necessarily believe uh, that discord will be the platform um because i think right when... i don't know either saying like that that was just one example that yeah. like as like web web version three that's one of the big ones people talk about a lot yeah um, also so, yeah you don't mind, i was just curious uh, can I decode you all that for about people? um because i think web three i want to make sure this is accessible for everyone here um yeah, web three is a term we may have all have heard before and I think there's a lot of different definitions around it. Um, and I think how you described it, MK, is like really like a very succinct uh, and pretty accurate description around where the web's kind of going tomorrow, the next iteration of social platforms. And this is why I put in this slide that communities are the new social media. I really think this is true. So I agree with you completely. This is like a fundamental thing that me and Amelia personally believe. Um, and I think the, the question of where the community is hosted um, is going to, I think, ultimately come down to like data ownership, meaning that over like a long tail of a CUNY's history, 50 years, there's never been an internet platform, mainly because the internet didn't exist years ago, that survived for 50 years. But me personally, that's how I think about my author career on the time scale of 50 years. So I like to think about CUNY for everyone here, um, like how can you own more of the data and the direct relationship to your CUNY? So I think Web3 is kind of this era of the internet that wants to bring more of that data and control um, to the creator and to the individual user and not the platform. Therefore, you aren't trapped in a place like Facebook where you have none of your readers' emails, no ability to contact them, and they don't even see your messages. That, that's the idea. Um, I'm curious to see how it turns out in practice, but I know for like us as like individual people and what we can do, um, we, we really thought along, okay, so subscriptions for authors is something that we want to have a long time horizon with, but, you know, we all, I think all of us want to, you know, have this be our full-time thing, want to be able to grow this on a time scale that might be like 10 years sounds fun to think 10 years from now, but also like, we kind of need to grow something over the next year. That's what we're kind of interested in. Um, and I think we looked over the next year or two and we're like, well, Facebook for this reader demographic, this author demographic that we're interested in specifically, authors that are typically, you know, between the ages of, let's say, 30 and 50 to 60 plus, like that kind of demographic of people who aren't necessarily my age or Gen Z who aren't already on Discord. I don't necessarily see Facebook going away tomorrow for that kind of community or author community from talking to people. So then we kind of were like, well, we'll be here now, but we're going to hedge our bets elsewhere. But for y'all, that answer can be so different. If you're a literary RPG author, you should probably already be on Discord. Discord's already a great place to be. If you're a romance author writing for people who are more my age, like 
I know the new adult readership tends to be people who can be of all different ages, but let's say, you know, you have a significant portion of people in your twenties who are your readers. I think Facebook's not an amazing place to be. Um, no one that I know my age uses Facebook regularly. So, so that, that's a really big thing. Like there, Facebook is not for everyone, but it depends on who you're writing for. Cause you're not writing for everyone. Um, there's a huge question. Uh, and I think one thing we've thought about with Reem um, is that we want that to be a space that could potentially be a community that's custom built for fiction authors. There's no features on Discord that's specifically for a fiction author. It doesn't feel bookish or like a safe space for readers. It's cool. It's built for the 250 million people who use it. But we thought like, let's build something for a thousand fiction authors. Let's build something for 10,000 readers. Um, and how does that look different? Um, so I guess full disclosure, like for us, um, we have maybe a different vision of what we hope will be a, a cool um, place for readers to hang out in. And that's also informed our decision to stay on Facebook for now. Um, but for y'all, that decision might look completely different. So um, amazingly important conversation and not one that needs to be diminished. But I guess in the short run, my answer is like the better way that you can get direct connection to your reader. So let's say like, you can export their emails from the platform that you're on. Uh, you can export the conversations that take place. Full disclosure, you can't do that on Facebook. Um, but those sorts of things that allow you to move your readership somewhere else, if you so choose to, I think that's a huge asset. And there's a few places that do that. Um, and um, open subscription platforms is a site uh, that kind of aggregates those places. Um, if you have a subscription membership, every subscription platform does let you export their email. If you accept payment through Stripe, um, you can export your Stripe um, credit card information so that you can take your subscribers from one platform and move them to another. So a lot of this is already possible um, depending on like how you view community and what kind of place it, it is in your business. Um, I know that was a lot, but that'd be my answer. <laughs> um, we had a lot more feedback here too. So I want to go over that as well. Um, so uh, the why you join it piece, Heather, because that's so important, right? That is tough. Like for me as a fiction author, because like, obviously like I, I'm here like speaking to y'all. So I, I, don't, I don't consider this nonfiction, but it's like, it's not fiction. This, we're not creating fiction at the moment. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Um, so it's a little bit easier for me to think about like, okay, this community is going to solve a problem for people. And like that kind of really boring language of like how nonfiction authors approach it. And if you're a nonfiction author, like love you, that's great. But I think you have it a little bit easier. As a fiction author, I think figuring out the why is tougher. But let me, if you don't mind me going over Google search, I'm going to look up an article that I think is mandatory reading for everyone right now um, about that question. So it's called, People versus algorithms. Um, community is the article. See, I'm going to link it in the chat. Um, I apologize for going to Google Chrome in the middle of the Zoom. Oh, no, that wasn't the right one. That's the overall thing. We're going to find it. Um, this is what live is like. We discover things we want to share together. So in this article, what I found amazing about it was that they broke down the layers of community. And we're going to scroll through and look at it right now, but I also linked it in the chat so y'all can save it, read it on your own time, share it with friends. This is just a writer who's writing on the internet. So I always have a soft spot for anyone who's um, just creating and sharing their insights, but they talk about the six levels of a community. 
And I think this is really interesting. So the first one is shared economics. This is something a lot of Web3 people talk about, um, which is why I like crypto and words like that have probably gotten a bad rap. Uh, full disclosure, like me and Amelia, we're not like, this is not something we're emphasizing for the fiction and reader community. Like in my belief, this isn't necessarily uh, maybe where things are going to be headed because I, I question IP laws. I question the relationship between author and reader and what it's really about. But that is something just there that this person discusses. The next is shared interest or passions. I think a good example of this is the LitRPG Facebook group. They all have a shared interest or passion for LitRPG and they could come around that author. But now we see how that shared interest or passion, like every interest or passion is kind of huge on the internet. So like if you have a shared interest or passion for knitting, you might have one person in your neighborhood, but there's millions of people online, like tons of Facebook groups. So that isn't super informative for us as fiction authors who are trying to have a smaller community. Shared point of view, um, I think is super interesting. Um, I think that this is something that is also, a, a, is, let's take the um, We Are Democrats out of it because I think politics can be um, interesting, but also might not be an area all authors are trying to dive into. But I think shared point of view is a really interesting part of this that connects the other three, which is shared stories, which this is literally what fiction is, right? This is, this is literally what would a fandom would be. Um, shared stories, shared creation. So this is creating things together. We're going to talk about co-creation and how you could use Isaac Kuni. I think that's an interesting place to be there. Like I can be a part of this author's creative process. I'm not going to write the book with them, but that's an interesting why behind being in a community, especially if they already like your work. And then shared values are one. And this connects the concept of meta story. So I, I like this one a lot too, because I actually think from shared values is where we find a sense of belonging. And this person literally drew this graph for us. I, I think it's beautiful. And I think this shows us that as fiction authors, we are kind of in like the best position to start incredible communities. And like MK was saying, like communities are the future of, of social. I believe this like super wholeheartedly. I, I think that algorithms and social media and its current context in which we're all kind of yelling at each other constantly have really damaged the mental health of our society. And I think we as authors have a responsibility and opportunity to actually create spaces of mental wellness that are intimate, that aren't 10 million people, but are rather 150, and that people can actually find real belonging in. And I think as authors, we've all found that in ourselves. Like, I, I don't wanna like call people out in our community, but I know a few people in our community who are really incredible people and who've like created these spaces of belonging for their author friends. Doing that for your readers could be extremely powerful and could be, a really interesting reason why. So I don't know, this is an article with some ideas, frameworks that you can maybe apply to your specific stories and your specific reader group. Um, but that might help on the answer about the why, Heather. Um, I know it's really tough. That's figuring that out, honestly, like makes everything else like work. So it's really difficult, but yeah. I'll go back to the slideshow now. Sometimes I get ideas for articles in my head because I, I read lots of articles. Um, okay, I'm, I'm continuing to read the chat. This is what a live live thing looks like. Um, Jessa is here now. Jessa, welcome. Um, so EJ is my Facebook group is 50-50 readers and author friends who pop in to talk up their new release and then I just and then disappear. 
has exploded since Patreon. Engagement is up 400%. My patrons go and talk about everything I post Patreon in my Facebook group. They're selling my Patreon for me. It has been amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome, EJ. And that goes to kind of our, our point on um, uh, different community business models. So you can have a free community that's open to everyone. But what a subscription allows you to do is to have a free community, but it's really freemium because you have a certain section of it that's gated off. It can be on another platform. It can be on the singing platform, but it's a section that you can only get to if you support and if you help that author be able to continue their business. And I think you are a living example of why that sort of freemium model um, can be really powerful. Um, I have the mailing list question as well. It converts well, and I have campaigns specific for those interests for the newsletter that happens Okay, so okay, so you have a mailing list question. It converts well, and you have campaigns specific for the newsletter that interest the ones in the group having given the email joins. Hmm. I'm not fully understanding your question, Stephanie, but maybe that's me, Amelia. Uh, do you understand the question? It wasn't a question. I was basically just um you're, earlier when you're talking about the newsletters. I oh. have the newsletter question. Would you like to join my mailing list for my Facebook group? But then what I do is cross pollinate so that I'll ask them something in the Facebook group. If they want something, I'll say yes. And I'll say, okay, you know, it's going to be in the next mailing list, uh, in the next newsletter. So then they'll have to sign up for the newsletter in order to get it. Oh, that's cool. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that segues us perfectly into Amelia sharing some of what she does because I, I know, I know, keep, keep putting questions in the chat. Um, this is, this is really fun, but I think that segues us perfectly into hearing how Amelia has grown and utilized her community. Sure. Yeah, I can go. Um, I will need to share my screen though, probably. Okay. Oh, I have to That's... enable that. That's right. I think I have to do that one second. So I'm actually going to show you guys, um, not Facebook groups, because <laughs> I feel like everyone just, everyone has known how to run a Facebook group, um, probably. So I'm going to show you what I do on Discord, as well as how I create communities within my stories, specifically on Wattpad. So let's see. Um, I actually don't know if I can share. Oh, um, uh, wait, really? Uh, who can share? All participants, all participants. Hmm. That's weird. Really? Huh. Yeah, it says I have to actually log out and come back in. Oh. I don't know. That's so weird. That's never happened. That's so sad. I mean, you can log out and come back in if you want. Okay. Uh, you can continue. I'll be back in a second then. <laughs> Sometimes things, as y'all um, can imagine, happen uh, live. Probably something I did wrong in the settings uh, while setting this Zoom up. Uh, uh, for, for those who don't know, this is our second time doing this. Um, and we're actively uh, going to keep trying to improve this each month. So um, it's really awesome y'all are here. Um, and as always, like you can send after uh, any feedback that you have about, about this because we want to make it. Uh, really helpful. And we'll also be sending a recording of this after. It might take us a bit to get around to like doing the recording. And we'll also have a transcript of the recording too. Um, so you can read it as well. There might be some typos in the transcript, but it's going to be readable. Um, so just letting everyone know. But um, in the meantime, before Amelia comes back, does anyone have any questions? Does anyone have any 
thoughts? Well, I, I hope that's a good, a good silence because everyone's full with information. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll just say for Amelia comes back in a comment about Amazon because they don't really enable people to create community on the site. And I think there's a really important reason why they do that and why this kind of conversation around community is still in its early days in the author indie world. And I think business model is like the most important thing for us to figure out, but also when analyzing the people we want to work with. And when working with Amazon, which for the record, like every book I've ever published is on Amazon. And I, I don't see that changing over the next one to two years. I'll put it that way. I hope it changes in the future. Um, Amazon is a, a useful platform for us authors to, you know, garner discovery really. <laughs> like that's the place that you can find a lot of readers. Readers are used to buying things from there. So they trust Amazon, but that's the key word. They trust Amazon. And Amelia's back. So we'll continue this conversation after this, um, after she presents that Amazon point and community is what we're going to circle back to in just a bit. Um, but Amelia, um, I hope you can share uh, now. Uh, that would be Amazing. Um, um, yeah. Let's see. Amelia, did I let you in? I hope you're here. I saw her notification come up. Maybe she's not here yet. That was a ghost of Amelia. I'm but, here. I'm here. Oh, you are here. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, okay. Can you see my screen? Yes, I can. Okay, so sorry. <laughs> so this is my Discord community. Um, it's very all over the place right now. Um, but basically, so Discord is very different because you can have multiple channels where you talk about different aspects of your community or writing or whatever. So I have a stories category where I have all of my stories um, and people can just like click into one and they can just start talking about that specific story. So it doesn't get all like jumbled up in all of the like Facebook posts. Um, so usually I have a lot of like interaction when I'm writing the story and then it kind of dies off. But if people want to jump back in like months later, they can. Um, so there's all of that. But I also, so some of this stuff might be a little bit not safe for work. So if you don't want to see that, you could close your eyes. <laughs> but I have a not safe for work channel where they, my, my community can just post whatever. I also have a talk to the alphas channel, which is basically where um, I like program the bot to, um, if somebody at, wants to like talk to one of my characters, they can put their character that character name and they'll have like the bot will spit back um uh like something that that character says in my, my books so this channel is pretty popular um people just like like seeing just nasty like not safe for work stuff <laughs> and especially in this um section um then we also have like a hot eyes galore channel where people can just like put all the not safe for work hot guys or hot girls that they want. Um, and then 
my social section is a lot more community building. Um, I basically have channels for almost anything. Um, my chat is just where people can come in and chat about whatever they would like. Um, and then we just have like a selfie channel. Yeah. Um, you could just, you could read the, the channels on the side if you'd like to, um, but it's all focused on what like building a community and not just like the connections between me and the reader, but like the connections between reader to reader, um, which is a lot of what this chat channel is, um, especially the rant channel and the selfie channel. Um, so these are like the big discord stuff um, that we have going on, especially in my discord. Um, I'm part of other like bookish discords too, where they would have like a monthly like a movie night. Um, and people can, they basically just watch a movie together. And I'm pretty sure they watched like 365 days and they were like watching the movie, but like they also had a chat. So they were like watching the movie in one channel. They go to the chat whenever something like spicy happened and they'd be like, oh my gosh, you guys see that? And it was very cute. Um, so this is one way you can kind of run your community. Um, uh, another big thing, uh, especially that I like in Discord, is people can self-select roles to be in your community. So um, if they're on my Patreon, they can self-select this like little heart-eyed emoji. And whenever I tag Patreon um, or talk about Patreon in any way, I could tag all of them and they'll all get that notification. And it won't hide the notification like Facebook does from them. It will actually like flag it for them, which is really, really awesome. Um, same with like these books as well. So that's Discord um, community building really quickly because we had some problems in the beginning. <laughs> um, let me go to one second. All right, here's no worries, my- worries, Jasmine, if you're listening to the recording. Uh, she probably <laughs> saw the message popped up from Jasmine. Um, okay, so this is just, this is my Wattpad. I'm just going to go through this very quickly. Um, this is how I build communities within stories. So I'm gonna go to one of my most popular stories on Wattpad. Um, it's submitting to the alpha. And this is the first story I've ever um, started with. So this is before I even started my Patreon. So Wattpad has this really cool feature, which we are also implementing into Ream. It's you can comment per, um, per paragraph. So people can comment specifically on a paragraph. Um, and sometimes they'll talk to each other. Like this girl says, I don't even want to read that. Um, <laughs> we're just going to continue. Um, but basically what I do at the end of every chapter is I leave a little author's note. Um, and for this specific chapter, I basically asked everyone who was reading, like, tell me what you think of um, Alpha Roman, who is the main male character. Um, and usually with community building that I've found specifically, sometimes you have to like start the conversation. So you have to 
start the conversation um, and ask questions. And then from there, after, after a while, after a few chapters, people are going to start communicating with each other. They'll start asking each other questions and responding to each other. And you can take a step back. Um, but basically people just respond to this. Um, sometimes they will respond to each other. Um, yeah, so this basically, um, those are the two big things that I've really done to grow my community. Um, yeah, I, I hope that was kind of clear. I kind of did it in a rush. Um, yeah, if you have any questions um, specifically about these two community building ways, um, you could drop them in the comments or let me know. Um, I know this, especially like with the chapters and author notes, um, it's a little bit different than what most people are using um, through like Kindle and stuff, so. Do you leave a question at the end of every single chapter on Wattpad? I used to. Now I, I'm too busy. <laughs> so now <laughs> I don't do that much anymore. Um, and usually people are really good about, because I've like trained them to um, respond at the end of every chapter, usually people just do that anyway. Um, sometimes I'll, if I'm feeling up to it and feeling motivated, I'll be like, um, if you thought this chapter was spicy, leave a bunch of like fire emojis at the end of the chapter and just I'll just continue to scroll through like pages and pages of fire emojis so um yeah mostly once you train your readers to do something um it's going to be easier for them to do it in the future and you don't really have to like provoke it or yeah around what chapter do you start promoting the Patreon I start usually from the beginning this is my first book so I didn't um let me see. I think chapter five, I might, um, the very end. Yeah. At the very end, this is only a sample, but this would, is what it would look like. I would either do like a little, um, Patreon graphic or just say like, you could read the rest of this on Patreon or my subscription today. Also, my stuff is very not safe for work. So <laughs> I don't know if you guys aren't comfortable with that. Don't read it. <laughs> As a, as a brand new author, um, Amelia, do you have any tips um, for building your audience there from scratch? Where? Wattpad? On, on, I'm assume um, Andrea means on Wattpad. So if you're a new author on Wattpad, how can you build your audience from scratch? Yeah, so definitely I would recommend um, author notes. Um, those are probably what pushed me to gain a lot of followers and a lot of views, especially on Wattpad. But also, if anyone ever like comments on your story, always respond back. Um, I mean, like uh, as much as you can. Once once you get like hundreds of comments, it's hard to. <laughs> but always respond back. Um, and also, I used to just go onto their wall or message them privately and just was like, "Thank you for reading my book. I hope you like it." Um, yeah, just stuff like that. So then Mahi asked, do you do the similar, uh, do you do a similar thing on Inkit? Yes. Yeah. It's the same, same format. Um, it's, I usually just copy and paste it from Wattpad and Ink, 
to Inkit or vice versa. It's amazing. Inkit is also another free, free writing app like Wattpad. Also, 11K followers, Mahi, is really, really great. And I think slow building is like so underrated because I personally had at one point uh, with a different social media platform, YouTube, very fast building. And that actually was the worst nightmare for me because I wasn't able to, uh, I didn't expect the growth. I didn't know how to manage it from like a mental health and a creative and a business perspective. And it ended up actually leading to it kind of like low key, like me just putting the channel aside because I'm like, no. So as weird as that sounds, like it just became unwieldy. It wasn't something, it was too up and down. So a lot of times having a slow growth, I think is amazing because you can really build those connections, keep building your flywheel and your synergy map in a really sustainable way. And you'll just have the strongest community. So um, you'll be set for like the next 10 years. So even though it might not be as like fast over the next one year, I think over the long run, it's actually a lot of times a better thing. So Andrea says, thank you, by the way. Um, so thank you, Amelia. Um, it's just really great for, for me to see too. Uh, it's really awesome to see the different ideas. Me personally, like what, what got me really excited was to see like the bots. I think, I think that's super interesting because, uh, we don't oftentimes think about like, how can we like utilize like some like technology tool essentially to like pretend to be one of our characters. And like, that's insane. That's like incredible. And, you know, that kind of goes into what I was talking a little bit about when you were gone, Amelia, and what I want to show you guys in just a second, which is, you know, with the way that, again, like a platform like Amazon works, they take all of our data. They don't even share anything with us, really. They just share with us how much money we're making and or how much money we're giving them on ads. Then if we pay them to get discovering their platform, they'll give us slightly more data. But still, um, we don't really know what's going on at Amazon. And they have invested everything into how do we build trust with the readers that we can sell them televisions, everything, every product ever they want to sell your customers. They don't really care about your books. And what community does is it's this space that can supercharge trust with your readers. And it's tough to do. It is. I mean, Amazon takes their royalty cut and has their monopoly control of the business for a reason. It's tough to build trust, but it's not impossible. And readers are also slowly not trusting Amazon that much. So at least getting them to not trust Amazon isn't the hard part. It's getting them to trust you. And CUNY is an amazing place to do that. It's essential. And then what you get to do in your own space when you own it is instead of Amazon utilizing artificial intelligence and all these technologies and making your life harder as an author, you get to take them and make better experiences for your readers that also can benefit your business. So what I wanted to show y'all now is just a little preview of what we're thinking about with Reem and how we did it. Because what we really wanted to show you with this is whether you like this platform or not, and this is something you wanna use, um, you can see our vision of what might just be a, a better future for, for us and our community. So I'm going to share my screen now. Um, and let me actually open up the tab. Boom, boom, boom. Now I'm on the right tab. And I'm going to share with you what is, mind you, um, not real data, but Amelia Rose's dashboard on Ream. Um, and 
what I really want to get into showing you, I'm not going to show you everything here. There's just not enough time. I want to show you the two things that Amelia talked about, which one is our inline commenting here. So on the subscription platform, you'll actually be able to upload your stories in a really easy scheduler um, that makes it faster. And then you can see the inline comments, which is awesome. You can also moderate these comments too. So if you go back to your dashboard, you can then go to your subscriber page. You have all your emails. You can export the CSV of the emails. Um, and then when you click in, you'll be able to mute, which means they can't comment your community anymore or ban them. So you can do that. And then you also have a separate community page. Um, so this is what a public member page looks like before someone subscribed. Let's say I sign up for $5 a month. Then I would have access to what up here at the top is the member page. So here's where you can see all the author stories and very similarly kind of go in and start to read them. But you also have a separate community that's right there, one click away. And, you know, we really want to imagine from the ground up what a, a space for like fiction looks like that like isn't Facebook that's designed to be used by a billion people or Discord that's designed to be used by several hundred million. But like, what does it look like if people came here to talk about books and connect with authors and connect with readers they love? So for now, we built built it in a way in which it can go in many different directions based on feedback and what people think. But we wanted it all in the same place that you don't have to have a million different platforms to be able to run your business and talk to your readers because it can get annoying when you have to try and think about putting something on your website and going onto this social media platform and going here. This can help that, help make it a little less stressful. So that's the super quick rundown of kind of some, what we're thinking about. And I think the big key here is that by having a fandom like this and building a space where your readers want to come to and trust you to deliver them a great experience, there's unbelievable opportunities for you to build an awesome business. And what does that look like? Let's go back to our slideshow. So monetizing your community. I put these two things here or three things here. And these are just ideas that I want to hear your ideas um, as we kind of wrap this all up. But co-creation, we talked about it earlier. But what I think is really, really cool about it is that when you have a community, whether it's free, freemium, or just exclusive, which to decode those a bit, if it's an exclusive community, we'll just say you can only get in there unless you're paying for it. That's how you do community. You don't normally have a community unless someone's paying for it, whether they're paying for a subscription that also gives them early access to stories, just to a community, it's your business, it's your author world, um, and you'll see what your readers want most importantly. But you can also have a freemium model, which means you have different levels to your community. You might have an exclusive, in Amelia's case, Discord. You get to interact with bots and there, it's a more close-knit environment that you only get for, to if you pay. And then also, you know, maybe a Wattpad that you can comment for, for free on um, in a way to kind of interact with readers there. Um, you also may just have a free community, which is totally cool. You also can have a subscription and you don't need a community. Of course, that's what we're talking about today, but you don't need to do a community subscription. You just can... You don't need to choose to participate in that. With Ream, we want there to always be a way for your readers to talk with each other. You don't have to talk to your readers if you don't want to. We think it's a very good idea, but you don't, you don't have to. Um, so with co-creation, when you bring your readers together in your community, they can help you do two things, two things that are really tough and one thing that you probably don't like to spend time doing. So the one thing you probably don't like to spend time doing is talking about your books on, on social media and promoting them everywhere. Like, whether it's running ads, making TikToks, like that's not any of our favorite things. But what's so interesting about readers is that they happen to like these things. They like talking about books with people they enjoy online. 
And if you have a space in which they build trust, relationship with fellow readers, they can begin talking about your books together out in the world. And this is an anecdotal example um, because there's really only anecdotes in this industry when it comes to stuff like this. But Jez Kajio is a lit RPG author and he blew up quite quickly. He's making healthy six figures now. I met him at 20 Books to Madrid. And I was just asking him, like, how did you do this? Like, how do you grow to the size you're at? And he's like, I just literally spend like four hours a day responding to every message a reader ever sends me and getting my readers like to talk to each other. And that's it. They've then, because they like him, talked about his books from there. So community is a space that can make that a bit easier instead of having to maybe respond to people in a million different places. You could do it in one. And one thing interesting that we do to try and kind of lessen the cognitive load on you is in our dashboard, you can go in here, reply directly to comments, message people who join your subscription, message people who've kind of done interesting things um, that you want to recognize. Maybe they loved your story, shared it, whatever it is, you can do that easily. But no matter where you do it, a community does make it a bit easier to talk to people and build relationships. And one example that I think is really fascinating is hosting kind of, whether it's a contest, whether it's a competition, to just create TikToks, create short form video, create things online about your stories. Your readers could totally geek out of that. Like if you said like, hey, if you, the, if the best one that I think is the best one, or we all vote in a community is with the best one, you get to, you know, a you get to talk with me for an hour or you get a free signed copy of my book, whatever you want to do. Um, I think it'd be a really cool way to then get your community talking about your book, getting your fandom talking, because why do you need to be spending all your time creating TikToks? Um, that's just an example. Another one is polls, um, any sort of ideas that you can source from your readers to get an indication of, will my next book sell well? And Amelia, you do this, right? You ask your readers before you write a book about them. Yeah, yeah. I have, um, I release weekly um, like erotic one shots, which are like a thousand word sex scenes basically because um, I'm a steamy romance. But um, so every week I'll release like one of those. And once I'm ready to start writing a new book, I'll basically pull everyone on my Patreon and ask like out of all of these one shots that I've written in the past like three months, which one are you guys most interested in um, seeing as a full book. And usually the one that they're most interested in um, also does really well when I release it on wide retailers or Amazon. And so, yeah. No longer do you have to write a book and guess if it'll be successful. Yes. Your biggest fans probably know better than we do. So those are, again, two ways to utilize it. Other ways are having them pick your cover. And these are all things that we already do, like on Instagram stories, like we've all seen people do this, but to have like a collective space where your readers get to come together and really feel a part of it. Because a place like Instagram, like it's not as, again, like you don't get to geek out with the other people as easily, right? You don't get to connect with other readers as easily. So it's it's cool, it's nice. And all that is a part of your community building. Um, but having a dedicated space can help. And even if you don't, having these kinds of things in general, just utilizing how do I build relationships with my readers is key. And I wanna talk about this idea of like synergy maps, right? Because like, it feels so easy to sit around and go like, yeah, we can all be Disney's and like, you know, throw around like one day we'll get a movie deal if we have enough fans. But that's not actually what I'm talking about when I talk about these synergy maps at all. What I'm talking about is how you can create a business in a world that has different types of experiences and different types of product lines for different customers' willingness to pay. One example is a subscription membership. And, you know, how you can think about this is, 
not everyone's going to want to or afford to be able to subscribe to you monthly who is also a fan of you. So there's like kind of like a, a you know, a pyramid of sorts where like you have all your fans, but only some are going to be at that level. Might be 5%, might be 10%. It could be way higher depending on what kind of business you are and what kind of readers you have. It could be lower too. It might only be 1%. It, it depends. And a lot of it takes time to grow. A lot of it depends on what kind of relationship and trust you've already built with your readers. But now you have like these two kind of worlds that you've had. You have two little nodes in that synergy map. You have your stories, the core thing, but they can buy in a book. They could also experience it in a little bit more of an intimate way in a subscription. So that's an example. Other examples are utilizing something like curated commerce. So I want to give you an example because I think everyone here might be able to utilize this. And it's cool. I have no affiliation with these people at all. I just think it's a cool idea. And I think more ideas like this are what are necessary to help us as authors. If we're only going to have a thousand readers in a community, 500 readers in a community, how do we make a living from those people? The thousand true fan model. How do we build an intimate space that people really want to be a part of when we're not like, you know, having $80 concert tickets that we're selling. So this is Thatch. Thatch is how you can launch a travel shop. And it's basically like TripAdvisor, but creator owned. So you get to launch travel guides for destinations that your followers might want to do. So they're not thinking about authors in this because sadly, it feels like authors are always overlooked by uh, technology people, which is, I think, something me and Amelia are trying to change. But um, they kind of have branded this to like, oh, you are a photographer on Instagram. You take pretty pictures of places. Tell your followers where you went, your restaurants, and they can buy these travel guides from you so that when they go to that city, they can have a better time. I don't know what better experience it would be for a reader than to have a travel guide set in your city that your book is set in. Like that is incredible. So that's just one idea, right? One idea. But how we have to think about it is when we build trust with readers and not Amazon, keyword, when we have the trust, Amazon sells readers everything. Amazon started with books. They sell readers everything. There's no secret to that. Like Maybe Jeff Bezos didn't have that vision when he started it, but Amazon became one of the most valuable companies ever created. There's been plenty of online e-commerce stores. And maybe this is just a theory, maybe it's conspiratorial, but I think it's really part of their core strategy. When you build trust with someone as intimate as having a connection to the books they read, that sort of intimate connection. And also, spoiler, you know, 60 million average readers in the United States. 80% are female and 70% of consumer spending comes from females. I don't think hedge fund manager Jeff Bezos didn't recognize those stats, right? So he knew this. And assuming he got all these readers to trust him, he now sold them everything. The average Amazon Prime account spends over $1,000 a year on Amazon Prime. It's crazy, right? So that, that's cool. It's good for Jeff, but it's not good for any of us who see none of that because we don't get to actually build that trust with the readers. But if you build trust with your readers, travel is only one destination, right? You get to be a space where you're able to then build things like someone mentioned merch, right? The clothes that you wear can be part of what you're reading. You know, another thing that we don't talk about a lot is like, for, for YouTubers, which they're, I want to say, a little bit more advanced in terms of their business models than the typical author, 70% of their revenue comes from advertisements that companies run directly for them. Like they're shouting out their products. Um, and I think the future for authors might not be peddling other companies, it could be an aspect of it, but building the products yourself that these tools make easier so that you can then go, hey, you love my fiction. You're going to love traveling to the places my characters do. In the future and still today, 
things are like this are popping up where it's gonna be easier and easier for creators to do this. So if you have the trust of your readers and you have these relationships, there's literally unlimited ways to leverage it to build your own mini Disney. This is just one example. There's many more that are coming online because as we've all said, as MK has said too, this web three world where creators rule is coming. It's not all here today. This isn't the world we live in today. We live in a world where Facebook and Amazon rule and they might always be players, but I think it's time that we can rule our own world. So that is, you know, what hopefully this presentation helped you do. Um, that is also what we are trying to build a space to make super easy for you all at Ream. That's our vision. And, you know, with subscriptions, we think that's a really good way to do it. And if you're interested in hearing some more of my thoughts and Amelia's thoughts in it, we're both writing books on it and mine, you can also beta read. So if you're interested in that, um, email me and I'll put it in the chat. Otherwise, um, I'll hang out here and we can chat. We can talk about people's subscriptions. We did this whole presentation in just about 92 minutes, actually 90 minutes from start to finish. So I'm proud of us for that. Um, and next time we'll, we'll keep making this better because um, there's other really big topics to talk about. And there's also little things that we can dive really deep to, into with community. So we'd love to hear from you guys what you think. But um, yeah, that's, that's it from us. I'll end it off with this Walt Disney map. And you can start to think about maybe travel guides are here. You can think about all the different things that you can have. And it's going to be an incredible future for all of us. And I really believe just th that the fact that you're here today thinking about this, thinking about community, thinking about subscriptions puts you so far ahead of the game and puts you in such a good position to deliver incredible experiences for your readers. Because as we've all noticed, it's way better when something's made for you and a small group of people rather than 100 million Amazon Prime accounts. That's it for me. I'll stop sharing my screen. So in your ream is when you have the, um, I forgot what the section was, a community, I think it was, will just anybody be able to post there? Or do you as the creator have to post, make a post and then have people comment? Does that make sense? Yeah, I um, think um, I think when we're launching MVP, it's probably going to be just author. But we definitely like. I could be wrong. I don't know. I have to ask Sean. Um, but if it's just author, then having everybody post is probably going to be come as soon as possible. Yeah, that. What would, do you think, Michael? I don't know. Yeah, that would. My answer would be um, that the reason why we wouldn't have everyone post from day one is not because um, we don't want it, but because we wanna make sure there's good moderation features built in. And yeah. we, trust is such a key thing. Like that's literally what we're like building this all around is like fandoms, it's the fandom publishing platform. And you only are fans and connected to an author if you trust them. And I think that we all know how one sour apple can kind of ruin the bunch for everyone. Um, and we're a little bit, we want to be really guarded with that because we don't want readers to have a negative experience because another reader uh, is a little bit, um, you know, yeah, we, we want to start slow and um, be able to make sure we're, we're securing um, the experience all around. That'd be my answer, but we'll see. Maybe that's ready at launch. We'll see. It looks awesome. When are you guys launching? Another wonderful question. So the better question is, uh, or a better answer will be um, certainly delivered around uh, 20 books, 50K, because when Amelia speaks there, um, we're not gonna be like announcing it on stage, I don't think, but like 
we'll we'll just know around that timeline. I would say like um in the next we want to launch like towards like end late 2022, early 2023. And I think the real kind of factor is gonna be like how fast we could come out of alpha and beta testing. Cause we're gonna definitely be in alpha testing at some point during that time frame, like coming soon. But and we're also gonna probably move into beta testing as well. Um, which beta testing is something that you guys can help us with and actually be onboarded into. So it won't be an official launch. Um, so it's hard to tell exactly when we'll officially launch because we don't know how those periods will go. But uh, to give you pull behind the curtain right now, um, Sean is building out the back end that enables an author to upload a story. So all the UI is pretty much done. Um, so now we're creating places to store your stories and store reader comments. Um, you can already create an account um, and readers can create accounts. And the really next big things we need to do are enable authors to get paid and get paid out and readers to be able to pay them, which is big. <laughs> platform <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't really be worth much if, if we weren't able to do that. Like, oh, hey, here's a free platform. Anyways, I mean, that's cool too, but you know, that's, we want to help you guys get paid. Um, and then the other big thing we need to do are like the dashboard. We need to, to make it so that the numbers can pop up live, the settings page. So as you can see, we're getting there, but there's some things to go. So that is my like the the literal answer of where we're at today. So we'll see where we come and we'll keep updating y'all. But also like totally, um, you know, with all this, uh, we're glad everyone's excited about Reem, but we also hope like the learnings from community and how you can apply is also useful no matter where or what you do, because, um, you know, uh, uh, Amelia has been able to grow a really successful author career doing this and, I think that even Amelia, I think would, would, would say this too. I, I think like not in the way of like, oh, it's going to get so much bigger. Although I, I think it can, and this might just be the beginning for you, but like, there's so much deeper to go on all of these things. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it's, I, I feel like we're, especially just as like a whole, especially as like a community of authors, we're just basically just like scratching the surface of what subscriptions could be. And it could, it could get really deep. Like some authors I, I feel like are, will hit it. Not like, not like Walt Disney, but they're going to be like one of those people who can just like get money from like everywhere. And I, I'm not saying money's an end, end goal or whatever. Um, but like building that type of community where you can sell like any product and your your readers want to buy it just because they want to buy it, not because like you're trying to rip them off. Um, yeah. Think about even like the idea of like your own bookstore. Like that's a really basic one. Oh, but, but like I'm obsessed with that thought. But like one thing we're really passionate about, I'll just word it that way, is like why can't an author have their own mini bookstore because how readers discover books oftentimes isn't through an algorithm, but from an author and Amazon gets 30% from every purchase. But what if the bookstore owner theoretically got some of that? So anyways, that, there's just like, there's a lot of things that can be done is, is the point. Um, and I, I agree with you, Amelia. And I think we're already seeing authors today doing that. Um, we've talked to some really inspiring authors who are experimenting with this stuff and are doing really cool things who aren't even like, like huge yet. Like, and not to, that doesn't mean to demean them or anything. It's just to show these things are accessible. Um, Vi Starlet, um, she has, starting her own story studio called Starlet Carnival Studios, she's building visual novels, which are like 
choose your own adventure novels on this site called itch.io. And she is publishing her serials on Royal Road and is slowly but surely really impressively gaining a strong following there. Um, she used to be a full-time romance author um, and was kind of like going down a more rapid release model, was just kind of focused on pumping out books and all that's great. That's like a great, could be a great model, but she got burnt out from that and stayed like away from it for like four years. Um, and now she's getting back into it and has this new, unbelievably inspiring mindset. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's all possible for sure. And I think, you know, what the beautiful part about it too is we don't all have to compete for number one in the same category. Yeah. We're all in this together. I agree. Um, if you guys want to talk about story studios, I'm all down for it some other sometime or now or whatever. But um, yeah, I think story studios um, and just like using your IP and trying to put in other forms of media is going to be huge for authors um, in the future. Like I, that's where I like foresee a lot of stuff going. I want to show everyone something. I want to show everyone something. This is crazy. So um, there, there, there's this, uh, it's, it's really cool. Um, I got to find it in my text links. Uh, and I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast, but I haven't showed anyone it. Um, but there's this program that someone I know built that enables you to take a text and turn it into a video and music at the same time. That sounds crazy, but oh, no, it's already playing. Whoa, whoa, okay. Okay, okay, cool. And it, it's not amazing, okay? When you look at it, you're not gonna be super impressed, but this, this girl's in college and she did this. And <laughs> yeah, like you can imagine uh, how Amazon spends their R&D budget, which, Mind you, I don't think Amazon will spend their R&D but to do things that benefit us as authors, but um, just shows you what's capable. So the text right here, right? The king of the bear kingdom lay in his royal bed, half covered by his red embroidered. So that was what was inputted in to um, this artificial intelligence machine learning thing. I can get into more details about how it works, but that's, we don't need to go there right now. So she puts it in and this thing creates an image. Then the image generates a video. And this thing also creates music to go along with it in seconds. So that now when you take text, you have music and video instantly. You can instantly repurpose your content into a different medium. Now, this is like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, this isn't like the most thrilling Hollywood television. It isn't. And it will never supplant that. But could this be a really cool experience for your readers? One, two, five maybe 10 years from now, right? Where these things are going. I, I think the answer would probably be a strong yes on that. Um, so the beautiful part is nothing will ever be like take over those big budget Hollywood studios experiences, but you don't need that. We're indie authors here and we could, we never needed the publishers to give awesome stuff to our readers too. And that, you know, $10,000 custom illustrated cover, like none of us have that, or maybe one of us, I don't know if any of us do it. No, no shame on you, but most of us don't, right? Um, so I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's a crazy world, and I'm really excited for it. Obviously, I know there's a lot of concerns with these things too. Like, like don't get me wrong. Like, 
the ethical concerns behind it all. But I think that's why me and Amelia are passionate about subscriptions and about community and about fandom and about, I guess, actualizing some of that to make it easier for people through this community and Ream. Because if we are in control and we can use this and have direct relationships, direct relationships with our readers and can use this to benefit our readers, you can have AI chatbots that let people interact with your characters in incredible ways. So one one application that's already true today. I think it's so cool by the way you have that. Like amazing. I thought I really like um I like I would if I came into an author Discord and saw that I'd be like, wow, that's that's really cool. So I wanted to try to add it. It was like definitely a it took a lot to learn at first because I'm not tech savvy at all. Um but yeah, um, if anyone has any questions, especially or specifically about um, Discord bots, you can always email me or message me or, yeah, I'll try to help as best as I can, but no promises that I'll actually be able to help at all. Does anyone have any questions about CUNY or want to share theirs? Uh, I, I don't know quite know how, how to prompt that, but like, is there, we did a tier review last time where like we would go to your tiers and kind of look at them and give feedback. If someone wants to do that before we head out, I think that'd be like a really cool thing. If anyone has some final questions or things, I don't know. You don't have to be shy. We want to help you. I know, I know we're over time, but like we're here. So we might as well. Yeah, right? you could if you need to leave, you can definitely leave. Yeah, you like, can 100% leave. Feel like you have to stay. We're still recording, but we're here and this only happens once a month. So we want to make it count. Um, and I'd, I'd just love to give you all that opportunity if that's something. But it, if not, like the Facebook group is there. Um, you can post in there and we can all comment there as well um, in our own community. And there's also email that we're happy to respond to. There's other, there's other methods for sure. But yeah. Okay, so I missed it. My it's raining here, and my internet just like kicked me out. So what's going on right now? <laughs> oh hey hey. So uh, we were just saying, um, you know, we we're obviously a little bit over time, but we we're not like super strict with that. We want to be respectful of y'all's time. It's like you can leave like no, no, no pressure. This is being recorded. We can send it to you after. Cause I know people have families and busy, but since we, we finished kind of what we want to go over, we know there's lots more that we could go over. If there's any questions you have, if there's any holes that we didn't talk about that you maybe want to help fill in, but also, especially since we're all here alive, if there's something like a question about your community, if there's something about your subscription in general that you want to show us like screen share that anything, right? Like we're here for, we want to help you. So of course we're here, like outside of this call, you can post in the Facebook group, but there's something about live that we think is special. So if y'all want to do that, um, yeah, this is a good time. Okay. So Mike asks, so which comes first, the CUNY or stories on Wattpad? I'm starting from scratch. Oh, oh, that's such, there's no right answer to that question. I'm going to tell you that straight up, at least in my opinion, other people might be yeah. a little bit more, um, uh, orthodoxical about it. Um, but I, in the creator economy for authors and in like the book, I, I like kind of detailed a chapter about like, there's a miss, there's three common misbeliefs that authors have. And one of them 
is that we, we write a book and then an audience comes to us. And I think author creators think the other way around, which is how can I build an audience and build relationships with the CUNY and then create something for them I know they'll love. So that, that kind of feels weird, but how I would think about it first is like, before CUNY or stories on Wattpad, before your CUNY, before your stories on Wattpad, analyze your existing relationships. What CUNYs are you already part of? And to be fair, unless you're a nonfiction author, the author of CUNY isn't going to be that informative for you. Um, although it may be if it's a CUNY of authors in your subgenre, which many of us have friends like that, which they can be worth their weight in gold. But I would ask them, is this a story you're interested in? This idea, this premise, does this get you interested, right? Um, and then you can kind of think about, well, am I in a Facebook group where I have relationships with maybe some internet friends that may be interested in this? Maybe I talk to them and ask them some questions. So that's like some really easy ways to test. Like, is there feedback just for this idea before you begin writing the first chapter? And then I feel like there's two ways to go from there. Um, serializing is always a great thing to do to be able to easily test your idea because essentially you're being able to write one, two, three chapters of a book and then see if it's getting traction. And if, and I don't mean that it blow up. What I mean is did one reader read chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and then email you or comment on the story. Oh my God, I need more of this. That's a sign. If someone gets the end of it and they're like, hmm, this was good, but not for me. Maybe you have the wrong reader or maybe your story's wrong. That's a question you have to ask yourself. Wrong reader, keep finding new ones. Wrong story, which you have to be honest to yourself, write a new one or fix it. And then you don't have to write the whole story. So I think that's one strategy to take. The other strategy to take is to build an audience first and then turn them into community, but an audience on like a social platform. So like, I'm going to be a TikTok creator. I'm going to start my own Facebook group for readers in this certain thing and have people who are interested and find a sense of belonging in this specific interest group. You could do things like that. That's great. Um, and I think that for authors, a lot of times the serial fiction route seems a bit easier. But you can do those things and start building an audience. But I think the key in it is that community comes after. So for someone to really join a community and be a part of it, they have to first have some level of trust with you. So you've either come in and read a story of yours, they've had word of mouth from a friend who's already in the community, or they have a relationship with you or a parasocial relationship with you through your content online. So I don't know how helpful that is, but that's how I break it down. Um, we have Mahi saying, I'm interested in tier feedback and I have a question about YouTube. Drop your link for the tier feedback um, and ask us your question about YouTube in the chat or you can tell us right now. Oh, Forsyth, you, okay. Well, I'm really interested in this question from EJ and I think we'll end it off after EJ's questions. Well, We'll do Mahi, then EJ, and um, and then we'll we'll kind of convene our session here. But um, I'm gonna share my screen, Mahi, if that's okay with you, as I look at your tears. Okay, cool. I did almost uh, copied or got inspired from Amelia's Patreon and did it. So <laughs> thank you, Amelia. <laughs> I love it. Um, Oh my gosh, stop. I actually have seen you um, comment in a couple of Facebook groups. And I just want to say, I love your titles. But I'm like, oh. this is something I would read. 
Thank you. It means a lot coming from you. So I'm also a steamy romance author. And uh, yeah. So one thing I, I would say yes. here, and this is just my sense, and I mean, I'll chime in anytime. But I love that I get asked to all this stuff. But then I also remember I'm paying per month. And I go, can I just get these one off somewhere else? Because like, there's a lot of friction when someone's trying to pay per month. Um, so you say early access to your current work in progress, but I feel like that, since that's the recurring thing, after someone's already read all your books in a month, why are they going to stay there? It's because of this, mm. that might be worth emphasizing. Okay. Yes. So what I did was I, um, give one chapter early access, early access to this tier and three chapters um to the second one so yeah that's awesome i love that i think i think that's definitely something to to share that sort of schedule maybe here maybe even okay. put it first like put you get early okay. access to this and then this library you know because then it kind of mm -hmm. sweetens the deal a little bit more let's see this everything of tier one early access to three chapters yeah yeah, yeah. i do like um the access to more chapters that's um like a model that i've seen a lot of people mm -hmm. this is really cool with. yeah the fact that you tear it up like this it's really cool yeah because if i'm looking at this i'm gonna want to i'm probably gonna want to go to this one if i'm a really big fan of you and like your work and this is a good way to get people to te test test it and try it like get them in at 333 mm -hmm. a month and if they're like i love her backlist but like i need her front list then they'll go here that mm -hmm. I like, and then you get ebook ahead of release here, exclusive access to chapter profiles and research. Mm -hmm. I love this too. That's great. So yes, <laughs> I think this is really good. I, I honestly do. Thank you. I like the branding a lot, like a lot. And yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. this is- Is there a reason why you're doing like a three, 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 six, six, six? One, one, uh, one. No, I just like those numbers. <laughs> I was like, okay, this will look this looks more pleasing to the eyes. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. I would be curious. Yeah. That that's cool. I definitely run with it. I will say, um, Jillian Dodd. Uh, people might be familiar with her. Um, she's posted some stuff on pricing psychology in a few of the Facebook groups, and I I thought they were quite interesting. Um, she ultimately ended up finding out that like $7.99 and $9.99 were the best price points for her, um, for her romance books, which is for eBooks, which is super interesting. But typically when people think about pricing psychology, um, things, at least if it's for a United States audience, I can't speak for other countries because I'm not locally familiar in that sense, but um, usually things end with a 9.9. And I think mm -hmm. this could work in your favor being differentiated from that or it might not. I wish I had like some data to share, like, oh, authors tried this, but it's definitely, I think, quirky and could play into your brand. So I say go for it, but I just wanted to let you know that definitely consumers tend to be more comfortable with price points than end in 99. Uh, yeah, that's really weird because a lot of um, subscriptions that I've seen at least, they're all like, they don't have the nine, like 99 at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, mm -hmm. most of them are like, like solid single digit. Single, yes. Yeah, single numbers. I would love to see because 
you're right. Like on all these subscription platforms, it's not priced that way, but I'd love to see like if there's a difference in conversion rate, because there is that kind of psychological trick. If something's $5, if something's $4.99 instead of five, there is a little bit of a trick of it being cheaper. And if there was even a 1% difference in conversion rate, because you're only charging like 0.02% less for the book, that would be a, a profitable move. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure. Something like, we could test on Ream. <laughs> yeah, something we would exactly test and share um, without a doubt. But um, yeah, that's just a cool conversation around pricing points. I actually really like it though. I, cause I actually think like okay. it, it catches my attention cause I'm always like, oh, it either ends in the even dollar when it comes to subscriptions or it's like, I'm used to seeing the 99 price point. So and especially the 11, 11 too, it feels dark. Is your, um, okay. are your it's books like a little dark? dark? <laughs> no. I get a little bit of it, like three, 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 mm. right? Like I'm just saying like in my mind, okay, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know if this is helpful at all, but like as just a person <laughs> seeing this price point, mm -hmm. I think like some darker content for that, which could be really good if that's, that's what you're going for. Six, 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 two, the connotation with 11, 11, there's a bit of a darker one with. So that's, I, I actually, I actually have a completely different because I see those as angel numbers. Really? Angel numbers are when yeah. you see the same yeah, numbers yeah, yeah. repeated over and over again. <laughs> so like 11, 11 is a big one. So even if you're like looking at the clock and you see it's 333, that's a good thing. So um, I that's know 666 so can have negative connotations, but I was just looking at those and I was thinking, oh, that's so smart. I should have done angel numbers. That would totally help me manifest more patrons into my group. Do it. Yeah. I'd love to see that. It's a, so cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think of that. Even one more author. Uh, she's a poet as well. Um, her name is Dakota Warren. And she does the similar thing. And yeah. You know, someone who's done these high price tiers and had really high retention is, um, is Kay, Kay Webster. Um, and uh, she could be someone interesting to see, like with a tier at this kind mm -hmm. of price point, um, what you might be able to do, especially like if you limit access to, to like one person here, Okay. like that would make me feel like, wait, no one's there yet. It's going to be my name in the acknowledgements. And then once you get one person there, maybe you decide to up it to like five after a period of time, if that person sticks with you or maybe, right. But it could be interesting to limit this, especially because it might make me feel like, the time for me to get my name in the acknowledgments is right now. Okay. I like yeah, it a lot though. I, I, thank you. I'm taking notes. <laughs> you did a really good job too up here with the initial branding of like forbidden fruit never tasted sweeter. See me after class. It's like, and then just like the actual images of the guys, I think really evoke the right emotion. Thank you. And I wanted to, I used to, I mean, I still have an author YouTube channel where I post my book trailers and stuff. So um, I'm wondering if YouTube converts well to Patreon subscribers, because most uh, people um, who, I'm sorry, my cat is, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes so the dakota warren and there are tons of other youtubers who have um like who start who started patreon and i found it through youtube so it's just a random question if it will convert well or if i can um 
start uh, early access videos just for the Patreons. Um, it's just something random I thought about during the presentation. So yeah, I I think YouTube has a lot of potential for authors as a platform. Um, it seems like you already like creating on YouTube. So is that true? Like you enjoy it? Because that's like the biggest uh, thing, right? Like you have to enjoy what you do. <laughs> yes, I do. But it sometimes gets very overwhelming at point because the editing takes so much time, even though I do mm -hmm. enjoy it. I mostly enjoy creating the trailer part because yeah, that is fun. I think the trailers, you know, posting those on YouTube, it's a free hosting platform. That's a great way to like have your existing readers uh, and, and new readers essentially discover you, but like for your books. But, you know, YouTube's interesting because I agree with you. It does take a lot of time compared to like other content formats, like to create a TikTok video compared to a long form YouTube video. It's a huge difference in terms of time spent. Um, YouTube though, compared to other platforms, if you're asking about subscriptions, um, subscriptions really all come down to relationship, right? With the, with the, you have the audience um, and then the ask, like the, the hook that you get them in on. And podcasting um, has been a particularly strong medium for subscriptions, um, specifically because of that deeper relationship you have with the audience and the ability to like very easily splice on a bonus episode that again, listeners would be interested in that are already listening to podcasts. What I worry about with YouTube is that not everyone who watches YouTube videos reads books. So unless you love hanging out there, it really depends on the books you write, knowing the books you write, or at least getting a good idea from your subscription. I think, I think that your time might be better invested elsewhere and focusing on the writing, maybe it's a serial model platform. Maybe you go on to TikTok if you want to create videos. Um, and I'm saying that from a purely utilitarian perspective over the short run. And that's only my advice. So you might get someone else's different advice. Because as much as I like YouTube, to create long form content there and do well is almost like a completely separate business. And it can almost be a completely separate full-time job. It could be extremely lucrative. It can um, power your book business, but it requires immense dedication and I think it might be better for you just to focus on the books itself. You seem to have a really clear of your brand um, because the one thing that you can think about though is instead of creating new content for YouTube, new book trailers is instead repurposing content. So that, that is a different model and I like this one more. So what that can look like is the same stories that you post on a serial fiction platform. You can use Google's artificial intelligence. This is an example, you don't have to do this. Um, but it's just an example that'll take you five seconds. Um, if you are a wide author and your book's on Google Play at some point, you can take your book on Google Play, you can turn it into an artificial intelligence voice and you could download the transcript or download the audio and put it anywhere. Some audiobook retailers don't allow it, YouTube does. And if you put it up on YouTube, you could take it in different splices and now you have like 10 hours of content for YouTube, right? Um, and then you could like put some music underneath it, which wouldn't take that long in editing, you know, just like the same song over and over. And then you could have like an image that's on it that people listen to. And Victoria Elisky, she didn't do um, an AI version of it. I'm only saying AI because it's accessible, it's free. But she actually took a real audiobook that she had narrated, which sounds really good. And this is also why she has a lot of views on it you wouldn't have as good of a product with an artificial thing 
but I'm just saying purely if you want to repurpose something fast, you could do that route. But she repurposed content that she invested in as her audiobook. And she posted in 20 books, 50K about this, but she has a million views um, on her audiobooks on YouTube. She's made over $14,000 in advertising revenue over just a couple months. And I don't think she knows how many readers have converted to an audiobook, but like a very small percentage would need to convert to buy one of her audiobooks or become one of her readers for that to be a really meaningful thing for her. So there's opportunity there. Um, I uh, um, actually... I think you could do YouTube audio if it's spicy, you just won't get monetized. Um, um, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's going to be very hard because like my, I wasn't even posting like super, super spicy stuff on YouTube and they like took my whole account down. So like, you have to be very, very careful, especially on like any social media, but like YouTube, I don't know. They, they have a, yeah. yeah. I don't know if you could do spicy stuff on YouTube like it, that. If you, what you could do, and some authors do this is bleep out because they, they're just, it, it's just like automated how they do these things. So if you like insert a specific word and then the image itself, like the cover image that you have for the entire video is like a dictionary of like the funny words that you used instead to describe the dirty words. That's a way to get around it that I haven't seen people do, but I, from my knowledge of how the YouTube algorithm works, you should be you should be pretty good with that um, because it's really just picking up on curse words, dirty words and, and things like that. And if you just make it like dog toy, like I know that's ridiculous. Um, and then you provide that context on screen. People do that on Facebook. I know. And it's worked for them. It's silly. It's stupid, but that's how you, how you get around it. So that, that is tried. Yes. I actually tried with the Google audiobook. But um, I live in India and it uh, it's not available here. So oh, yes, that sucks. <laughs> that's it's just one idea. You know, another idea too to do on YouTube, and I think this is potentially another great idea, is again, repurposing content. You can share a video of you doing a live reading of your book and maybe purposefully not say like, only do a chapter. Don't do your whole book. That would be insane. But your first chapter you can do. And don't edit it like unedited, take it 30 minutes. If you want to experiment with YouTube, you can do things like that. And that live reading could be something really cool for your readers to see. Cause then they're like, oh my God, she's doing a live reading. Of course, that's like, depends on your comfort level. I assume because you're talking about YouTube and video that you're a bit more comfortable being on video. But as Amelia is exploring currently, there's also ways to overlay a, a virtual character on top of your real body so they don't see you but see a virtual character reading the story so another option yeah. and this takes investment is to do that but we're getting really crazy now yeah. so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I don't want to go like too far out there but these are all ideas um with youtube but besides the ideas my honest advice to you is i don't think so. i don't i don't think yes. i don't think it's worth the bandwidth mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I can throw and, a million uh, ideas. Yeah. Yes. Um, what worked so far is like for gaining subscribers is um resharing the Instagram reels on shorts. And yes, I think they get more views uh on my YouTube shorts than the reels. So that's yes. super interesting. I've heard that from a ton of people. Um, and I think that just shows you like right now, and this is right now specifically, if you are trying to create 
some kind of content. Short form content can be useful at least because it can be repurposed to multiple places. So if you're creating on TikTok, I do think it's a good idea to be posting on YouTube shorts and Instagram because it does take some extra time. It's annoying. I get that, but it so there's people who've blown up on Instagram reels who haven't moved on TikTok and there's no good reason why. I, I don't, I don't know why, like, I wish I could tell you, but something hits with a specific audience and the algorithm a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get more readers. Um, personally for me though, and this is just me, like I can give you a million ideas about how to utilize creator platforms, but like, I want to be very upfront and honest. I don't do them because I don't think 10 years from now, that's what's going to make my career the strongest. Like becoming a better TikToker or a better YouTuber or a better gamer of the algorithm, I don't think is going to make me a better storyteller, world builder, or a better person to the readers that I care about. So I don't personally choose to invest my time there um, because that's my mindset. That doesn't have to be your mindset. You might love those things. For me, TikTok, I don't have too much fun on. But if you have fun on TikTok, go for it. It can't hurt you. Um, But I think it can hurt you if you're trying to do something that you don't have fun with and you spend a ton of time doing it when you could have just made a better book. As simplistic as that sounds, right? Like the center of our universe is our stories. Yeah. I don't know. Thank you for this. <laughs> of course, I love I love questions about social platforms. Like I love these kinds of questions. Um, and there's as always, and it's frustrating. There's no right or wrong answers. But I think if we all hear enough thoughts as authors, we can figure out what thoughts are right for our own. <laughs> um, otherwise, um, Forsyth, you and Kickstarter, where too many authors have raised 100k for lit edged book bundles i don't know how i didn't hear about this one ej you were up on it um i'm on the kickstarter now though um so wow they have raised six figures that's incredible um they've raised six figures in i think just over 15 days wow yeah i think they they still have half of their thing to go and they've reached all of their stretch goals yeah, Holy I heard God. that they hit their like goal within like an hour or something. I could be wrong about that. Three minutes. Yeah. What? They funded completely to 20,000K, yeah, 20K in three minutes. Oh my God. These sound like people we need to bring on our podcast. Um, They're really interesting authors. They're indie authors. They've had this breakout series. It's a bully romance. It's very dark. I'm amazed that they've managed to keep it on Amazon for as long as they have. Um, and I don't know what motivated them to do this book bundle, except that obviously book bundles are very big in Romance Landia. Um, but guilt edged books, guilt, guilt foiled books um, are a big thing with book talkers. And they clearly sort of hit that stride because I've never seen a Kickstarter behave like this before. And it's uh, certainly not a book starter. Um, it, wow. it's just phenomenal for, for them to have funded this quickly, to fund this high, to reach all their stretch goals. And, wow. and notice that they're not really giving you, I mean, obviously the guilt edged books are a huge big deal, but they're not really giving you that much for your Kickstarter. You get three books. They're very pretty, um, but it's just three guilt edged hardbacks. And there's other swag that you get too. You get a skull, you get a lady bracelet, you have to be, but this is for super fans. It's clearly for super fans. 
Um, and the thing that I think is the most interesting about it, because it's been very much my experience on Patreon too, is that there is a certain sort of uh, readership in, in particularly dark romance that loves getting stuff in the post. They really want mailed things sent to them, which is tough for those of us who are overseas because eat overseas because it's so expensive to ship things. Um, but they really want stuff sent to them and they want exclusive things that are beautiful to look at that they can display on their shelves. They can go and talk about on book talk. They can, it, they feel part of a community going back to the whole community discussion. Um, they feel part of a community that that really, you know, uh, has an identity around these very beautifully bound special edition books. Yeah, that, okay. You said, yeah, that's, wow. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing this. Um, uh, in terms of like my thoughts in it, I I think clearly they hit a, a, a chord with the readers as you have already said. But I think for us, it's kind of this like note that like, you know, Kickstarter is like a one-time event that like you really want to kind of have, you don't want to have one super fan into a Kickstarter. Not because like, not because that's bad, but because like, um, you know, you kind of want to make a splash. You want it to make it an event. But I think um, you can have a subscription with one person, but as time goes on, you know, it, it, subscription and crowdfunding aren't like different things. It's all about the relationship you have with your community. And I think that for authors, especially having, having the ability to launch new product lines like they're doing that you can then sell even separately. Um, like that's a way that a fandom can de-risk you investing into your business because for them, they get even a lot of that cash flow up front and don't have to, don't even have to go out of pocket for a lot. They just made their money and profit to start a new product line like that. Business Absolutely. doesn't this work has like funded that. their swag for the next, you know, five years, yeah. which is an amazing way to think about a Kickstarter campaign. And don't think, by the way, that this is, you know, a, a one-off for them. They have four separate colleges, four separate groups within this dark romance college that they're working off of. They're now working on series two. So this Kickstarter concerns the Lords. They're now working on the Dukes. And they will next be doing, you know, the princes and then the barons. And so this is going to be a builder campaign that they do over and over and over again to fund their swag, to create these beautiful books that will be talked about on TikTok. This is this is Genius. sort of the beginning of their trajectory going up. Yeah. You're watching people who I think will be multimillionaires really within a year. Um, because they are building something that is iterative. And the interesting thing from my perspective is that hardbacks are something that I had offered at a high tier on Patreon. But it was obviously going to be me figuring out how, how, to, how to do it and me figuring out how to get it to me, sign it and ship it, probably at a very low profit because of the expense of shipping. These guys have turned that on, their on its head and the fans are paying for everything up front. They don't even have to go out of pocket if the Patreon doesn't fund, which it, or the Kickstarter doesn't fund, which it obviously did. Um, and so it, this is really sort of a new model, I think, of getting very expensive books into fans' hands without, without 
making the author go severely out of pocket because that's what's happened in the past. We've ordered author copies, we've signed them, we've shipped them to fans and on a good day, we've gotten paid for the shipping and on a bad day, we haven't. So this is, a, a, I think, a really new model. I do think it's possible to cannibalize from your, from your Patreon. Um, and so it's something that I'm looking at really closely if I'm gonna do a Kickstarter in the spring. Um, because I think you could pull super fans out of your Patreon and just have them pay for the really pretty books. And then they don't, they're not interested in coming back and being your patrons because they've just paid out. I mean, in one, in some of these cases, they paid out $500 for these books. If you look at the upper tiers, these, these are incredibly expensive books. Wow. That... You, um, and this, this is just kind of like a novice question, I guess. Um, couldn't you build this into your Patreon? so that like if you know say your level for um what was it i'm scrolling again um so like their 150 dollar level um was all gone the king level of three signed hardback books and then all this other stuff couldn't you figure out a way like a tier within your patreon so that you know if they were a subscriber for so long then they get this so many times a, a year. If you and look at K Webster's, that's how she does hers. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you I, look at K Webster's, that's how she does hers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she does. She does do it that way. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Um, my my personal kind of like uh, belief on this is like that subscriptions because physical items, unless you have a recurring kind of monthly physical item, which you might, you might have a book box that you do, which would be really cool. Or it might be a quarterly uh, item, but if it's like kind of like a one-time event for a series like this, that you're doing kind of like launching a new product line of sorts. Um, I do think that a Kickstarter um, or the idea of crowdfunding can be a great way to do it because fans get to participate once they get their thing and then they're done. But I think subscriptions is like a, for a completely different kind of set where this is a product that you're able to offer recurring value on. So it's something that might be a community that you have that you're going to be active in, a continuing series or world or your own brand name that you're writing under. It might be a continued discount to your store, which K Webster also has for higher tiers. So there's, there's different things like that. And I think there's a world in which all of it exists together. But I do think your point, EJ, completely stands. You know, frankly, if you are having readers pay $500 because they really want that book, at some point, we'll have to decide to sacrifice some things, and they may decide to sacrifice um, their subscription or go down to a lower tier. So, you know, I, I think readers might want it all, but if they can't afford it all, they will have to make some decisions. But I, I don't necessarily think from a desire standpoint that your product lines have to compete. I mean, I, frankly, like, this is where we kind of get into the whole Disney model, right? Like, Dis mm -hmm. none of Disney's product lines compete. Rarely does anyone purchase all of it. Um, like, you know, it's tough to be able to afford all of it, but there are Disney super fans who like make it work, <laughs> make crazy stuff work. So, um, you know, it's tough because I always think about my readers and like, I don't want to rip them off, but at the same time, like you aren't, they want to pay this much. They love you that much and are able to do it. Um, obviously though, not every one of your readers can, I mean, these, this book's right. Like what's selling in the top thousand on Amazon right now. So like they're still having a small percentage of the readers back in the Kickstarter. 
but that's another interesting point. It's selling in the top thousand of Amazon right now, but it wasn't four weeks ago. Really, this has shot their book back up into the into the top readership because there's been so much talk about. We're talking book. about it's the yes. people are like people are so t- readers are personally tired. I get it. They're tired of just like they want more. They want to be closer to an author, and when they get that, it's like, oh my god, got to talk about it. That's amazing. Notice what they've ta- what they've offered at these top stretch goals. It's not just the books anymore because that's what they had on offer to begin with. And then they funded so high that they had to come up with a bunch of, of new stretch goals. So the new stretch goals include an exclusive Facebook group where you have access to the two authors. I don't know how long it's gonna go on. I don't think they're very clear on that. In fact, they might not even know because this is so new to them. And I think they're scrambling a little bit to try to figure out a way to keep you know, the funding levels going. Um, but I noticed that it's it's not just the exclusive product now that they're offering, it's exclusive access. And that's a very Patreon-like or subscription-like model. I mean, that's certainly what, what I've been offering on, on my Patreon. It's what I see a lot of authors offering on their Patreon. It's not just early access, it's exclusivity. And now they're offering it on Kickstarter as well. And I just, I think it's really interesting that all of a sudden we're seeing sort of these big breakouts between Brandon Sanderson and these guys. Um, and, um, oh, I've forgotten the other author just, the, oh, sorry, Willow Winters. Um, yeah. It's just really interesting to see these sudden breakout um, Kickstarters and Patreons sort of going crazy. Uh, and I wonder what it really says about the need for community, the need to feel part of something special in the wake of COVID, in the wake of so much isolation. Um, it, I, I just, I think it's a really interesting psychological phenomenon to look at and to keep your eye on as authors. Um, and as we try to build a community and keep the community going, um, I, I wonder if this will be something that sort of flashes for a couple of years in the wake of COVID and then begins to die in favor of more face-to-face things like signings, or if this is the way that we're all going to be moving because all of us are moving away from face-to-face things like signings and focusing on our internet lives. I think both will be there um, because to a certain extent, like there's still a different experience. And I think up until very recently, it wasn't possible because these authors aren't making everything from the ground up themselves. They're utilizing some print-on-demand platforms to a certain extent to print some of these books, even if they're doing offset printing. That wasn't possible 20 years, 30 years ago. Like no one did that. You couldn't do that. And big publishers would never do that because doing those kinds of runs was frankly not profitable for them, but that still didn't stop a huge rare and antiquarian book industry from forming. And my uncle actually owned a rare bookstore in Key West and it did so well that he opened up a second one. Um, There's such a huge demand for rare books. And these were like books you'd go and pay $600 for a book because it was rare. It was a collected item. And now authors get to create them themselves. Like they get to create the collector items. So I think it's a different market. Like the in-person experiences are going to come back because of COVID, but the fact that authors can create their own collectible items now, essentially, that's really cool. And I do think that will grow and stay. I'd agree with that. And the interesting question, I suppose, next is where are they getting these items? Um, because I, I, it, I've looked around quite a bit 
and I've looked at Lulu and I've looked at Ingram Spark and I really can't find where you uh, get gilt edged books. So there must there must be some supplier you know, of gilt edged yeah. books. I've been, I was actually doing, um, I was going to do a paperback or hardback run of like completely black matte books um, where the pages were all like black and the text was white. And I've seen it online a few times and I've called around so many places, so many like book printers and nobody does like stuff like that or like just like any kind of special detailing. And I'm like, where do, where are these people like finding like the people who print print the books like this and then will like do all this extra stuff. It's so difficult. This yeah. is where I think we need, there's two big needs that are gonna form and they're not filled yet. But I I have two like big I, I have two big things. I think we need indie author managers slash operators that don't exist yet, that people are gonna need who are running businesses of their size, like true people who can work with multiple authors to let's say we have 20 romance authors who are collaborating in the same universe. They're gonna include the same restaurant and now we're gonna open up a virtual kitchen. Like that's crazy to do and manage and an author doesn't want to run their own virtual kitchen but there's like youtubers who are already doing this who are making millions and millions of dollars because all of their fans anywhere in the united states can go on an app and order a burger from them which is crazy so like that's crazy i think we'll need people who step into that role and i also think we'll need like book binding is a huge community i love the book binding community it's big on etsy they have like a whole kind of niche on tiktok within the book talk niche and like, these are artisans doing these things. And I think they will also have to find a way to collaborate with authors. And there hasn't really been like Reedy's a marketplace for authors. They don't really have that there yet. There needs to be a marketplace that makes it so that we can just go and find and connect with these people um, really easily. But I don't think the market is even there for that to exist yet. Like it's so new, but I think two years from now, we'll look back and be like, oh, no, 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 it's here now. I wouldn't be surprised if it's here in six months. I really wouldn't. I see so many of these. Sorry. I was just going to say that might be a good question to pop into one of these bigger communities that we have. You know, like I know um, Monica uh, Leona, I'm mumbling her last name because I can't remember it. Um, She has a Kickstarter. Facebook group, you know, like maybe posting in some of these Facebook groups, where are you getting all this stuff? Um, you know, as a clean, not clean romance author, I'm not going to be able to sell any of those, but I'll, I'm really jealous of all you guys. Um, I saw I, a post fill up in 20 to 60 or 20 to 50 and, and um, none of the authors who are doing these really beautifully, you know, gilded and everything books answered it. So as far as I know, nobody's actually saying where they're getting these. Oh, it's a secret. It's a secret. Oh, I wish I had an answer for you. I mean, I know Joanna Penn is literally learning book binding this summer. She, she said that publicly, I believe that, or she said to me at a conference, I don't think that's too personal to share. So that that's what she's doing. Um, which is kind of cool. Um, so um, if you could go learn it yourself, she is, because um, I think she wants to get into this too. I've thought very seriously about offering um, 
a, a hardback that I've painted where I've painted the edges because that's another big thing on book talk if you're sort of into the book talk thing and and watching particularly the romance book talk community there and the fantasy book talk community they love beautifully edged books so that they can display on their shelves while they're talking about you know their five favorite fantasy YA books with a morally gray hero um, and so I've actually thought about painting them myself. Um, I can see my, my, I can see destroying a lot of books that way. Um, but I think it's, I think it's a possibility. And after talking to a couple of other authors about how they did their hardbacks, the hardback part is not that hard. It's just being sort of fiddly with the cover so that it fits the dust jacket. Um, but, but actually getting the edges painted might be a, a difficult thing if you're not prepared to paint them yourself. Hmm. Yeah. That, oh, this is so interesting. I also think that, um, cause I know a lot of this is going on in the dark romance community and Sarah, you said, um, being uh, a contemporary romance author, you don't maybe like the, the opportunity movie isn't there yet, but I think, you know, there isn't like, if we're comparing this to the rare book market and the collector book market, there isn't like, any genre that is untouched by that. It's just like who the, the books that we end up collecting today typically are from authors that were revered 50 years ago and who aren't publishing anymore. Um, and I just think that now that people can build these kinds of relationships with you faster and more intimately, um, these, these collectible things can happen in time. And I think dark romance maybe just has a really strong community and has tapped into some things that maybe other genres aren't there yet, but to be honest, I think that it could work for other authors. I'm not saying it would work for everyone, but I think that anyone could do this. And if they I have- I think the they're reasons. there for a lot of, a lot of subgenres. I mean, fantasy is where you see it actually the most. And I wouldn't have yep. said that there was a huge crossover in the fantasy and dark romance readership, unless you get into paranormal romance and they do seem to be sort of their own little thing. Um, I also would not have ever said that we had as active a dark romance community of readers who wanted hardback, gilt-edged hardback books as we're seeing right now. Because most of these books we've been reading on, on our Kindles and we've been reading them in KU, which is sort of the lowest of the low price point. If you wanna look at it that way for a book, you know, you've, you've spent in your mind nothing to read this book but you're willing to spend $500 to get a gilt edged bundle of three that you're going to put on your shelf. That is absolutely shocking to me, but it's, it's clearly there. That, that desire is clearly there. I won't, I won't lie. It's, it's somewhat shocking to me too, just because it's like so mind blowing. But I also think too, that like this collectible market will be much bigger than any of the rare book market or any sort of analogy that we can make prior for like two reasons. If you are creating now, you get to create things for very specific communities of people so that like, because of their experience in life, because of who they are, they'll resonate with that so much more than a publisher would have never published that. And I mean, obviously we could point to dark romance as being something that publishers don't normally touch, but there's so many niche books that just like lit RPG that like were overlooked. Right. Um, and I also think that the other big thing is that with the parasocial relationships that we can have with an individual creator, knowing that like they're an indie author, like they're doing this for their family. 
like there's no big company behind them. I think that makes people much more um, intimately connected to you and wanting to even collect something from you more. You're like a part of their life. Yeah, that's absolutely what I'm hearing from my patrons already. Um, I, I don't know if you can see in the video, but behind me is a huge scrapbooking project. And that's because my top tier patron has said to me that she's sticking with me for a year and wanted to know if I would do a scrapbook wow. for her because that's her thing. And so I've spent the last two weeks watching scrapbooking videos on uh, TikTok to learn how to scrapbook. And I'm in the middle of assembling a scrapbook for her of all of the. Oh my God, I love that. Out of my books. Now, the, the, the thing that I will say about that and something that I'm definitely noticing is that all of this sort of creation of, of uh, alternate content, let's call it, for the patrons that's included the newsletter that I've been posting to them. It's including these, you know, steamy one shots. It's taking away from the writing time that I usually have for my main series. And I'm actually falling behind on those. And so at some point I'm going to have to sort of say, I'm going to have to pull back a little bit and say, right, guys, sorry about this, but you know, the newsletter is going to come out next week because I have to work on my series this week. Um, but, but as long as you can sort of balance those two and keep, keep it going, I will say that what I'm hearing from my patrons is that they really like getting exclusive things. They really like getting things in the post. Um, and they, they want something that I have created with either my own two hands or my own little mind. Um, but they really want something from me. They do not want a sticker that I've had printed. They want something that I've created, a bookmark that I painted or a bookmark that has the words that I picked to go on it. They don't really want a sticker from Sticker Mule. <laughs> yeah, that's Just super interesting. Sorry, just jumping in real quick. I'm going to have to go. Oh, yeah, no worries. We're just hanging out at this point. Now we're just like, okay. yeah. I, know I just want to, yeah, okay. It was really nice talking to everyone. Um, and I'm very excited for our next meeting. And if you have any questions about anything, you can always message me or email me or whatever. But thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. I'll, I'll stay around for a little bit more. I don't want to like, call, like, I'm enjoying this conversation. So, um, and it's, uh, I mean, everyone else will get to listen in, um, in the future. Like I said, we're like new doing this whole like live thing. We're still navigating it. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure out in the future. Cause like maybe like the main sessions an hour and a half, and then we just hang out for an hour after. And that becomes like the unwritten rule. I don't know, you know? So I, I don't, I never want to be unfair to people. Like you can leave to go to your families for sure. You can leave to go write, but um, okay. Yeah, it's 2 a.m. where you're at. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yes. Head out then. Um, but, uh, I, I think these are like all fascinating conversations because it, it is really a tough balance, right? Because if you know that your readers have this demand and that you can build a relationship with them and also make money from doing this, there is the whole thing about like, well, what at the end of the day, like, I like to go back to the word leverage, because I think the biggest thing we have as creators going for us is the ability to create stories and content that we can build businesses around that have distribution and scale amplified by the internet. And I, I, some, I think these kind of custom things are, can be really good, especially if you enjoy it. Um, but 
I I do think it's really tough to know when is the right time and how much, and it, it does depend on the person, but I would encourage people to start off maybe like conservative, like you don't have to go like super, super deep and then say like, I'm developing like, you know, golden embossed covers. We're doing like, you know, own personal book binding. We're making a scrapbook. We're doing all this like at, like at once, I think could be a lot. But I think if your readers start to ask you about this stuff and like, hey, like I want this and you want to do it too, you can think about it. But it, it's tough, right? Because like if you have a thousand readers who want a rare book and you get a hundred thousand dollars in your Kickstarter, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> like whatever you want me to do. But, it, but you know, if you have more like 10 readers and you make $500, it's great. But if it takes like a hundred hours to do, uh, you know, that people can get themselves in situations where that happens. That could be a labor of love, but it's it it might not be the best thing for your business, even though it builds a closer relationship with your readers. Your story might be a better way to do it. I don't know. It's it's tough, right? It's tough. I don't have any answers. Just reflections. I think it's a huge balancing act. And obviously I'm just finding my way into it because my experience with a subscription model is, you know, seven whole weeks old. Um, so I'm still absolutely trying to figure things out. Um, but it's been, it's been a huge uh, education to me about what my super fans are actually looking for versus what I thought they were looking for. Those are turned out to be completely different things. And my super fans are very focused on one series, one set of characters. They want more and more and more of those characters. Um, and they're perfectly happy to pay for it, an amount that really surprises me given how little we pay, we sell our books for, you know, and, and I feel like I'm trudging up the hill constantly to get people to buy my $3.99 book. Um, but they're perfectly happy to give me $25 a month um, to, to buy basically a sense of community, it's a, a early access and, and a connection um, to me. And I've made some moves to hopefully make them feel like, like getting a lot of value out of it, which is why I think I had a decent uh, or very, really good resubscription this month. Um, but finding that, finding sort of those, those pivot points and really sort of accessing uh, them to find out what it is they're looking for has been a real challenge and has required not just a lot of polling and a lot of talking to them, which of course is taking away from my writing time as well, um, but also looking at a lot of different Patreons and trying to figure out what, you know, people like Kay Webster and, and Sinan McGuire uh, are doing right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sinan McGuire. I'm just impressed. Did you say, did you say seven weeks you've had your Patreon? Yeah. And you have 22 patrons. Like, yeah. I'm impressed. Color is impressed. Um, there were some things that worked really well to start with and that will not work well for you as the clean author. I'm sorry. Um, but one of the things that I did very early on was that I got into this steamy one shot group um, that's being run through subscriptions for authors. And so it not only got me connected with some other authors who were writing the same sort of thing but it also forced me to produce content that I'm putting up every week. And because I tied that into the series that most of my patrons seem really excited about, fundamentally I'm producing a new story 
in that world for them every week. That has gone down tremendously well. It's produced a ton of engagement. It's also exclusive to them. And so they run back into my Facebook group and go, oh, guess what I just read about these two characters. And that's, again, they're basically selling my Patreon for me because then people are like, oh, I want to read that. And they run over and they realize it's only $2 a month. That's not very much, is it? So um, I've had a lot of subscription that way. I've also had a ton of success upselling. So I had many people who entered at the $1 tip jar or the $2 steamy one shot tier who then upgraded very quickly once I began offering them things that they actually wanted. The newsletter turned out to be a huge success, I will say, and I, my, it, they're currently concentrated at that tier. This is the much vaunted newsletter. It's one page. I printed it on pink paper on my little inkjet printer underneath my desk. Um, mostly it's about my Patreon because I didn't have any other content to put in this at first. Um, and so next month will be a challenge to see what I can come up with to, to fill the one page of the newsletter. I did some pretty things to it. I don't think I have a pretty version to show. So I think I posted them all. Oh, no, I do have a pretty version. So I put a little sticker on it and I put a little wax seal on it um, and they went crazy for it. Uh, they've been putting it on Instagram. They've been putting it on TikTok. Uh, they've been talking about how excited they are for the next one. Um, I've had two author offers from other authors to, to write, to do guest spots nice. in the newsletter. I was like, yes, please, anyone who just made that. So I don't have to write this whole thing. Um, it's, been, it's been really good. But that all arose from me looking at Sinan Maguire, McGuire's Patreon and realizing that the tier that was sold out was the one that says, I'll mail you stuff and figuring that my audience was very similar to her audience in that it's probably mostly women who are 35 and older, who have very good associations about getting stuff in the post. We were the pen pal generation. We got stuff from our grandparents. We were the ones who do holiday cards. So we have very good associations about things getting coming in the post and we want fun things in the post. And that was really a lot of me identifying who my readership is and then looking at similar Patreons and figuring out what they were doing that worked. Oh my God, you're, AJ, I know I've told you this already. I think if I haven't, I'm just gonna say now, you're gonna, you're gonna be like unbelievably successful. I just know it. Like you really are. You have, you have the mindset down to a T. Like as I'm listening to you, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Cause like what you're talking about is, it is a playbook, really. It's a mindset that like anyone can run with their target readership. First, it becomes an awareness of like, who are my readers? And like, that is a more important question than like, am I on chapter 10 of my book? How much more words do I have left? Like that, like I wish I wrote a lot of books for many years. I wish I just figured that one out. I wish I did that before I wrote my first book. I wish instead of me spending, you know, a thousand dollars in publishing my first book because I wanted to see that book. I wanted to hold it in my hands. I thought, well, wait, like who else is going to hold it in their hands? Like I know I'm writing a dystopian book. I know that, but that doesn't tell me anything about my readers. Who's reading dystopian? What do they want? What are they interested in? Who are those people? And also, if I answer that question, I will get like 10 different kinds of people. And then that's like, wait, that's not informative. 
If I'm creating something for 10 different kinds of people, how am I ever going to build a relationship with someone and know where to start? Marketing becomes overwhelming. Your only answer is a Facebook ad or an Amazon ad. And like, that's fine, but like that hasn't worked for most people who are still sitting here today. So it's like, then what are we going to do? And I wish I had narrowed it down and figured out, no, these are my readers. And, and yeah, it really would have changed everything. And the fact that you're doing that and now creating products and stories and things for them, that, that changes the game. Like you have what, what we would call like story market fit. You have a market for your stories. You know that. And now you can build your world around them without having to guess, without having to risk your time, without having to have that terrible feeling of releasing a book after spending tons of nights away from your family, after waking up early, whatever you had to do to get it in. And then going, holy, no one bought it. No one bought it. What did I do? Like, I know that feeling personally. I know I'm not alone in that. And like you, you've clearly taken in so many learnings, figured out so many amazing things yourself. Cause I think you're having a real pathway around that. And, and I think that as you see EJ saying, well, this won't work for your readership because you know, I'm dark romance. Like that doesn't mean things won't work for your readership. Like she knows her readership very specifically and can associate things. That's like my blind that you're going that deep about thinking about the reader psychology of like, this is what they'll think when they get this in the post, their grandma. It's not like that difficult, but like it, in the sense of like, you have to just reflect about it, but no one does it. And oh my God, to see you doing that and thinking about that rather than, oh my God, my ranking dropped from five to 8,000 on Amazon. What am I going to do? Like, like that, taking that bandwidth that could be there and instead thinking about how you can, who are your readers? How can I do better things for them? Oh my God. It's just, it's incredible. I am so proud of you and I can't wait to see where you go. Really? Like, it, I think it's so helpful for everyone well, to, to see. And I also think it's important for us to shift if we're ever going to shift out of that Amazon rat race, we have to shift into this more um, looking at it from whether it's selling direct or subscriptions, you know, like, um, and what we can do to foster that. And I think it's hard because we're so trained to think about, you know, the, the publishing let's get it, you know, a book every month or whatever. But um, I think doing something like this is just much more healthy and more long-term sustainable. It's just figuring out how it works. Like, yeah, like you said, with your readers specifically. So it I'm, also I'm gives you taking that. notes, I'm looking at your stuff. It, it also gives you that most elusive thing that we don't have as independent authors, which is a sustained cash flow. I mean, I'm, I have my own business, obviously. I, this is not my full-time job. I have a day job. And in my, in my day job, everything is cash flow. That's all we focus on. And it's always sort of stunned me that as independent authors, we simply accept this garbage from Amazon, which is, well, we're going to sell, you know, a certain number of books and, and your rank is what it is. And you can only sort of price them anywhere between the 199 and the 499 tier. And if you're out of 499, well, you're pricing yourself out. And I just, it's horrifying to me as an entrepreneur that we've accepted this and been pushed into this little narrow box. So I'm really excited about trying to push out of that box and find both direct sales avenues, but also find to create the community. I mean, I think that, I think the community is a huge thing. And if you look at the tiers, the second most successful tier is the $25 tier. And I was stunned 
when I opened my Patreon the second day and I had four people with $25 tier. Who actually is gonna pay me $25 a month to spend time with me? Because they're not really getting that much for $25 a month if you look at it closely. I mean, what are they really getting? They're getting early access to my books. Half of them are my ARC readers anyway, so why would they need that? They don't need that. Um, and, and they didn't want the live read, as it turned out. Um, they wanna spend time with me. And so what I offered them instead was a role in the sex club that is part of my series. So they are the mistresses of blunts and they have made up their own roles to some extent. There's one lady who decided she was gonna be the mistress of randomness and she pops into the reader group once a week with a random question, good for her. We so have a lady I love that. There's a lady who's the mistress of the roles and she's in charge of education. And so she decides what book we're going to read every month. And I encouraged her to have it be somebody else's books, but no, she started with mine. And so now we're doing a group read in my reader group every month um, on my books first. Hopefully that will stop and we'll go to other people's books. But it, it is that sense of being part of something that is not available elsewhere. I think that has kept these people so engaged. And that has been lost for certainly my generation. I don't think Gen Xers feel as part of anything special really anymore. <laughs> you know, oh, there yes. are no institutions that we trust anymore and we don't feel special. So be offering them a, an opportunity to have a role, to, to do something, to be part of something really, engages them. And as I said, my engagement in my reader group has gone up 400%. That's not because of me. I am not posting different content. They are posting every day. This is, yeah, that's amazing. I couldn't agree with everything you're saying, like more, like it's just everything is, is what we all need to hear because, you know, that space of belonging, I, I think that you know, and it's really sad. Like what happened is we had spaces of belonging in the physical world and the internet came around. We all spent our time on the internet. Those spaces of belonging fell apart. I personally don't know anyone with actually healthy relationships with friends in their real life. I don't know anyone like myself included. Like it's so odd how you can text someone and we're always on our phones, but no one responds. Like that's where like, that's the kind of world we we live in because we're so constantly overstimulated. I don't blame anyone. I do it myself. Like it's tough. I go into my writing hole and I just write, like, you know, we all have our little escapes and for us, it maybe is different than, you know, a lot of people, their escapes, TikTok or YouTube, but we're all escaping. We're not actually in anything. And I think as authors, we have the opportunity instead of providing our readers one more pit in the endless escape of Kindle Limited, if that's the escape that they try to be. And that's cool if that's how they find you to actually give them some sense of purpose and belonging somewhere like that is from yeah a business standpoint certainly where the business opportunity is like whenever you can provide more value to someone you're going to make more money no matter how you choose to monetize it and there's a million different ways you can but from the true standpoint of what storytelling does in the world what storytelling is supposed to be it's supposed to bring us together it's supposed to have us look at the world differently and be able to process our surroundings differently and become better people and i mean there's no secret why romance is such a popular genre because viewed in that context, there's almost no better genre that applies to more people, but like, it doesn't end there. Like the story itself, if you just put the book and close it means nothing. And 
if you think about like human history and mass media, books did not exist until like 500 years ago. Like, like if you had a book, you were unbelievably wealthy. Like no one had books because there was no way to print them. And the printing press came around and we all started reading, but we didn't really all start reading. Most people weren't even literate until about a hundred years ago. And mass fiction didn't even exist until about World War II was when mass fiction, like paperbacks became a thing. That's insane to think about how recent this is. For most of human history, we came together and we told stories in groups of people and we all experienced and we laughed together. And that's what actually made us work together. That was what it was. And mass media took that away. And mass media also sent us to a bunch of wars, propagandized us and the internet has weaponized, us, weaponized that to addict us to our machines. I mean, that is totally dystopian. And I think as authors, we are uniquely equipped to be able to create these spaces where our readers can find these belongings. And the fact that you're doing that, EJ, you have that awareness, and then you're actually benefiting from that with only seven weeks into your Patreon, benefiting that much, having grown a community to 22 readers and having them pay you monthly and all of them coming back. I mean, that's the sign that you're not riding some short-term tactic or high. You're actually building something. And I'm sure, as you know, from obviously running and operating your own business that, um, you know, you know how it is building something and that it can really be quite cool when it happens. So I'm, I'm excited for you and I'm excited for all of us who can actually take back that power because like, it's, it's essential. If we keep going down this path, where are we going to be at? Like, um, what got me excited about this personally was when I shouldn't say excited, what got me desperate enough to think this way. Um, and then I ended up being excited about it was the day of the capital in the United States. I won't go into any detail and no matter where you are in your political leanings, that was an insane day, like all around, like what the heck? It was crazy that that happened. And to me, it's about to happen during COVID, during this weird time. I felt like I, I, I felt like no longer could I write dystopian novels anymore because that's what I, I wrote like novels about technology going wrong. I'm like, we're already here. And I immediately felt like I've always had a bias to action. I felt like I need to do something to make this better. And immediately it turned to me like we have a huge problem with storytelling on the internet. So I've been obsessed with it for a year and a half. And that's what's made me really passionate about Ream. Started that about like, six months ago, but it's been a long, complicated journey between then and now. Um, and I feel an immense sense of clarity to be pursuing this path. So that whole thing I'm unbelievably passionate about. Um, and I think that we all are because everyone I know feels that feeling of feeling alone, feeling hopeless, feeling like the world's meaningless. And as storytellers, we have the power to give our readers meaning. So I think, I think it's going to be amazing, but it's not going to be easy. Um, and Andrea, uh, you can definitely ask your question, and I think we'll probably wrap things up. Hi, sorry, thank you. And I'm I'm not using my camera today. I'm not a was. <laughs> not no, you, you are all good. Don't worry. Okay. Um, so I'm super new, but I have been uh, working on a project since uh, 2017, and then a series of life events happened that have. Um, you know, caused me to not self-publish yet something, you know, there's always an excuse, a move, a breakup, whatever, you know, a pandemic. Um, so I've amassed like maybe, um, I would say the book is almost done, the first one. Um, it was going to be a superhero series, but it turned into more of uh, just a book about a lot of sexual tension. So then I realized, I think I'm writing romance. <laughs> I think this is not about the science fiction. It's not about the superpowers so much as it's about the love story. So, um, so I 
have a lot of chapters that are just sitting here and I'm like, I've edited most of it. Most of it's just ready to go. So I was curious um, for other, you know, for authors that are using, that are, I don't know, um, newer or, you know, even for the ones that are seasoned um, and experienced, um, I guess it's a two-part question. One, is it feasible to simultaneously grow um, your Wattpad and your Patreon at the same time from the get-go? And any suggestions about engaging your readers from the start? Like for example, I was thinking about, um, I don't know, sort of like incentivizing, um, doing like a raffle. Like if you join the, um, the mailing list, you'll get the chance to be a character written in the book who gets killed off. Oh, that's cool. Or, you know, something like that. So I was curious. Yeah. So one, is it like, should I be doing both at the same time to start? So I'm not just like sitting on all these words or, and two, like any suggestions for engaging the readers from the start? Yeah, you definitely shouldn't be sitting on the words. So can I? You go. No, you, you go, shouldn't. Sarah. <laughs> so um, I, I am an established author in, in clean romance. I have 17 books out. So that's already there. Um, I'm working with a friend and we are co-writing completely different stuff. Um, and after listening to these podcasts of Amelia Roses, we've decided to completely shift our business um, business setup. And we're going to start doing chapters on Wattpad, just like Amelia did, and then do Patreon. And then down the road, um, release wide, just because I feel like as um, an author, this is a much more stable way of building your business. And it will give you, um, it'll give you, if you, you know, that instant feedback of whether your story is working or not. Mm. It'll also give you um, the money as you're, as you're releasing your story. Um, and you're getting patreons it'll give you the money that you will need in order to, to do the other stuff like hire an editor and stuff like that so a, from a new author standpoint as far as pen name um this is i think the way that we're going to go to build our new author um just because i think it's brilliant um, and I, I've been doing the rat race, um, for since 2019. Um, and, you know, I feel like this is going to be a, just a better way to build your author business. I haven't actually done it. I'm not at that point yet, you know, so that's like yeah. all hypothetical, but I think for me, it's worth the, um, risk of building a business this way um because building your business either way is risky um and i think the uh it has a much more potential for a quicker return on investment um going through wattpad um ink it whatever than patreon so that's just my two cents um but that's the way we're going to build our next pin name I love that. I, I want to speak from my experience, which is similar to you. I haven't done that yet, mainly because I'm planning to go uh, to Ream, uh, which is not out yet. So I've been waiting to actually institute that 
model for my own um, pen name, which is Michael Evans. So it's not like um, I, ha I have, I write under my own name. Um, so that, that's something I can't speak specifically to. M Amelia can definitely talk about like the serial fiction to subscription pipeline. And so I don't want to like share advice that I haven't experienced because I'm, I'm really careful about that. But I do want to share what I went through on the other way and why that was bad for me and why I guess Amelia doesn't know much about the other way. This is like she was learned about it through not experiencing it where I've learned about subscriptions. I haven't experienced firsthand. So I'll tell you my other firsthand experience, which was publishing probably similar to you, Sarah, um, the typical subscription model. I hope Breen will be ready to, if not, like we're always happy to help people transition. I, I, I get it. You got to start somewhere, but um, I'm definitely very confident. This will, this will be the, probably the best place for you to have your, you and your readers with subscription, but we'll see. But for, for me, so I started five years ago. I started technically writing seven, but we all have been writing forever. Um, you know, so I published five years ago, actually five years ago, one month from today. Um, and I kind of at that first stage, like I wasn't thinking about it like a business. So I, I don't want to say I made a mistake. Like I just wasn't thinking about it like a business. So my only goal was like, I wanted to hold a book in my hand that I wrote. Like that was the coolest feeling to me. So I see all my money at my summer job paid, um, paid a public, I really didn't know much about what was going on. So I didn't pay a vanity press, but it was like kind of like close to vanity. I know that seems weird, but I paid a company to find an editor and a cover designer for me that ended up costing more expensive. I wouldn't recommend that either, but that's a very early mistake. Whatever. That's cool. I did that. After I published my first book and, you know, there was no like magical sales that came in. Uh, I realized, oh, wow. Okay. Like if I want to publish another book, uh, like, you know, this is a, it's a money pit. So I have to figure something else out to keep writing. Cause I want to keep writing. And I also was starting to realize I'm also gonna have to pay for my own living expenses. At some point I was, um, I, I was a kid at the time. So it wasn't, wasn't a necessary worry for me, but the business mind in me turned on and I'm like, okay, time to turn this into a business. And that's when I started joining the Facebook groups, watched all of the podcasts. I was like, I can, I think I could do this. I think I can do this. And I, to make a long story short, ended up going down a path that was extremely self-destructive. And it happens to be the path that a lot of authors who are successful on Amazon follow. I wrote a book a month. I spent a lot of money out of pocket and advertising um, to generate a good release month so I can have a good tail. And I tried to basically gamble on what my read-through calculation would be. And I ended up losing close to like six or seven grand after all my ad spend um, because my read-through calculations were wrong, um, literally. Because I was I was doing this calculated, right? I was like, my book was maybe five, 6,000 in the store. I thought I'm going to be rich when they read the other books in my series. Not literally, but I did think I was going to be making good money. And they didn't read those future books. And it's because I had a very narrow view of what it meant to be an author at that point. It was, how can I target the specific subgenre hit these specific readers, but readers don't think like that. They don't think like, like, oh, like, I mean, some readers really love specific subgenres, right? But even then, like, what does that really mean? Um, and I didn't take the time to test, like, will they go from book one to book two? Like, no, I just went for it because I wanted to make this happen. I felt like every year, every month, it was getting more competition. Uh, it was becoming harder for me to do it. And 
Yeah, it was, it was tough. So I burnt out right when my series actually was starting to break even, right? When I got the read-through rate there, which is kind of heartbreaking, but I realized like, what the hell am I doing? Like, even if this works out, I'm on this book a month treadmill for how many other years till I can like blow up. I literally was, I guess at some point, either going to be stuck doing that or I was going to have to like blow up and make so much money off one series that I could like take a break. And I was like, this is like kind of, torture. Like, I hate this. Um, so I, I started to realize I need to have a completely different approach. Um, and that's when I stopped writing and stopped even thinking about publishing and went into YouTube, went into live streaming and explored diff- different areas of how you can build a storytelling business online. And then I guess a year and a half or a year later, return to writing, um, experiment with traditional publishing, realized that was like really a bad path. And then finally confronted my demons in the indie world and realized that it wasn't that it was books that were the problem or being an indie author. It was the way I was doing it. And that's why I'm passionate about this new model of being able to test your stories fast, be able to iterate, not being able to have to risk the house in a series. So I, I didn't bet my own house to be clear, but I know some authors who have made some even more questionable financial decisions than me. Um, and I want to be able to build a sustainable income that's aligned with my incentives, which is I want to be making my readers happy regularly, but I don't want that to be tied to like my output in terms of number of words or a new book each month. Um, but I want to have a relationship with them. So it felt like subscriptions were the way to do that. And I don't know personally, like how it's going to go for me. It might not work for me. And I'm totally aware of that, but I do know for a fact that this will work for a certain portion of authors. And that that number is probably a lot higher than the number of authors who are doing it today. Will that be you? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, you might be perfect for this other model I described. And I know I described it in somewhat negative terms. That's because I had a negative experience with it. Um, and a lot of times you only hear the positive experiences. So that, that would be my, my answer to you. I, I know it's not like directly what you're looking for, um, but I don't want to say something I, I, I don't know from experience. Amelia, though, can definitely share that with you. Otherwise, I, I don't know. I don't know how to end this in the sense of like, I, this has been so profound. I've had such a good time. Um, I'm really grateful for all being here. And um, we're going to do this again next month. And I don't know how long it's going to go on next month. It might be three hours. Definitely will be an hour and a half. Um, and, you know, block out your calendars if you're around, if not, um, I'll stop the recording now for those listening. Thank you. If you've listened all the way through asynchronously, um, you're, you're amazing. And I think we're all at the beginning of, um, building our creator, author, creator economy as Joanna Penn would say. And I really like that line from her. So I'm going to steal it. All right. I'm going to stop the recording. I'm not going to end this completely yet. Um, But yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was really great. I'm glad this was, I love talking with you, you and EJ and uh, Andrea, everyone. It's been great. So yeah, we'll be in touch soon. Have a good weekend.